Comics 2.0. I'm Derek. I'm Colby. And holy God, we try to talk comics sometimes, but that sometimes <laughs> is getting longer and longer in between. You know, the, the usual excuses apply. Um, I now work seven days a week. I got a second job. Colby got a real job and a wrestling job. I say real job. That's demeaning. No, it's a retail job. Yeah, I get and a, a wrestling job. That's fair. That's totally fair right now. <laughs> One of them is paying the bills. One of them has like twenty dollars in shirt money coming every now and then. <laughs> but uh, we, we, as always, we are we are committed to and endeavor and hoping to endeavor to get back on a more regular schedule. I know I promised last time, and honestly, this was like three weeks ago because this was when I was going over to do the uh, the Dallas Fan Expo. We were going to do a mini spawn, a, a mini respawn that's still on the plate. That's still something yeah. we got planned. But we had to kind of um, put that on the back burner because it is uh, Colby and I's favorite holiday. Yeah, uh, it is Halloween. It is the time of the spooky movies, and there is quite a uh, a hell of a spooky movie <laughs> yeah. in theaters right now that we both saw. You've seen it way more times than I have because I actually went and saw it in the theaters. Yeah. Um, and we're we're going to talk about Halloween Kills. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, DC Fandome, yep. which was this weekend as well, which is uh, why this episode is showing up a little bit later than we usually try to get it up, but yep. that's okay too. Um, and also, uh, just to give you a little bit of another little bit of a preview, I am going to talk a little bit about the uh, the Spider Man, the first two issues of Spider Man Beyond. Uh, I want to rant and rave a little bit about those, and Colby may be dropping a little bit of a knowledge bomb vis a vis Superman versus the Authority. I know we don't normally talk yeah. about all of our topics up front like this, but hey. I, f- I felt like since you haven't heard from us for forever, I wanted to promise you we actually have an episode coming to you, and yeah. this isn't going to be some sort of like weird, like buzzy noise for you know two hours and then <laughs> nothing coming from that. So, Colby, I've been talking a lot. I'm just not letting you say anything at all. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm great. I uh, you mentioned Halloween kills. I just want to say up front, it's amazing how. Oddly divisive this movie has been with a lot of different people. I hate to cut you off, but you just said something that made me think of a tweet I saw recently. I don't oh, want to hear your opinion on it. I absolutely, because it actually, I think, really connects. Um, the, the tweet compared Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills to um, The Force Awakens and Last Jedi, uh, wherein The Force Awakens slash Halloween 2018 kind of was a, 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 a reminder of the stuff you liked about the, the very first film. And then the second one, The, the Last Jedi slash uh, Halloween Kills, is a, a, um, a growth and a subversion of those uh, ideas and, and tropes, and in, in much the same way that Last Jedi was very dif- um, divisive among Star Wars fans, Halloween is very divisive amongst uh, Halloween fans. And I'm going to get this right out of the way right up front. I think you, I think it's safe to say you and I both really loved yeah. Halloween Kills. Yeah, I so I that's I think that's a fair tweet in a lot of ways. I in my head and how I've been describing to a lot of people, I think I look at it almost as. Halloween 2018 being, like you said, kind of a clean slate, a reboot. Here's what you love from the first movie. Here's what really worked here. And oddly enough, Halloween Kills, like to me, feels almost like a love letter to hardcore fans of the franchise because there are so many weird, like so many weird theories that are like referencing other movies that are bringing in different things that are expanding. And so many weird nods. Like yeah. I mean, we we saw it in the trailer. But uh, I mean, straight up, the um, the masks 
for yeah. Halloween 3. Just very clearly front and center. Very clearly there. Uh, also, some... I, I So, we'll, uh, fair warning, there will be spoilers about Halloween Kills. If you care about spoilers for Halloween Kills, fast forward, uh, probably... Fast forward until we're not talking about Halloween. You know what? I don't have a timestamp for you right now because I don't know how long this will go on. It could be 10 minutes. could be an hour. Uh, I feel like it's, I feel like it's going to be a while, so just, yeah, buckle in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the non-spoilery review is essentially we, we are both on the side of absolutely loved it. If you So here's the thing. If you go into Halloween movies and you want some atmosphere and Michael Myers killing people, you're going to be happy. If you like the name Halloween Kills, it lives up to that 100%. Well, see, and that's one of the big complaints that I've seen that, again, I absolutely empathize with. And, and again, um, do, do you watch the movies that made us on Netflix at all, that series? Yes, yes, I have. Um, the, their episode on Halloween is great. It's They just posted a new season. Yeah. It's got Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Aliens, Robocop, Coming to America. I've only watched uh, Halloween and Coming to America, but the Halloween episode is really, really good. And part of what makes it so good is that they really kind of dive into the idea that Halloween is a theater of the mind, bloodless movie. And oh my God, Halloween Kills is not. No, yeah, it is. But I'm so okay with that. Yeah, again. I should put a reference. Yeah, I've never been against because I have seen some comparisons, and I get it. Where like the, there's been some things of oh man, he this is my problem with the the zombie movie is he turns more into Jason Voorhees at moments. When I I get where that comes from, I get the idea of like before, the, especially this movie, we've never seen Michael literally go John Wick on people. Uh, See, I, I'm not even sure I agree with that comparison. I, so I, I I do only so we're talking about spoilers and this is this one's in a trailer so this is mild mild spoiler. The the first time it happens the firefighter scene. Okay. I, I would yeah, say it's okay. str- straight up John Wick pretty much. He literally battens down on his fucking metal pickaxe and takes out seven yeah. firemen. John Wick style of like through the eye, through here, through this, stab here, take your chainsaw or take your jaws of life, little chainsaw, put it back on you. Uh, okay, that's I didn't really think about that, but that's fair. Uh, the other one has more of a subtextual and meta commentary to it, so that the towards the end, but that one I was like, okay, he's just again, he is killing people, he is fucking people up throughout this movie violently. I would argue. This, honestly, is probably a more violent Michael than even the Rob Zombie one, the 2018 one. Like, he does some fucked-up kills in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, we are we are in full t- spoiler territory. Yeah. Turn back now, because I just have to say, the uh, the knife in the eye yeah. really got me. And I also, the, the using the thumbs on the eyeballs, but we've seen that before. That's that's not new. But yeah, specifically, the knife to the eye really got me. The knife to the eye. The one that got me was uh, the, so the fluorescent life tube to the throat, but then not so much just that, because I watch a lot of deathmatch wrestling, and that doesn't blow me away. But what does is having that poor... <laughs> Poor older woman just clearly bleeding out alive while he's taking, like, the semi-live body of her husband and just repeatedly stabbing it with every kitchen knife, testing out to find the perfect one. Yeah. that I was like, wow, that is just a brutal, sadistic Michael that we've only seen, like, mild glimpses of before. Like, normally the cutaway and we see the remnants of it. We don't see it in action. Right. Uh, yeah, no, that... There, so, for anyone wondering... I also hate, I keep hearing people talk about, like, oh, this almost just feels like a long 
after credit scene or a long or an epilogue of the first movie or prequel to this movie. Like for one, it's in the middle of a new trilogy, which is part of a quadrilogy now technically. Uh, it was always going to be that. Like this is. We I legitimately don't get the people saying that the it ends too abruptly. Yeah, I feel like the ending was perfect. It was it was set up perfectly. It mirrors the opening, yeah. in, in a really nice, beautifully cyclical way. Uh, it's um, okay again. Spoiler, the spoiler alert. You know, the, the death of Judy Greer's character, Karen, is is while it's not telegraphed immensely, it's also not a super shock. And you know, the the idea that. Michael murders her and then escapes. That's what Michael Myers does. I was about to say he, he escapes. He, he he is not captured at the end of a of a film, or you know he is thought perceived dead, but we we all know he's not. Yeah. I have I am stunned by the people who think that this is like not. I mean, it's, it's not the Matrix Reloaded ending. You know, it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty it's basic Empire Strikes, it's, horror yeah. movie. Like in a lot of ways, I would say structurally. This is very similar to like Empire Strikes Back to New Hope as far as like it's a literally Heroes won the last movie, they saved the day, the evil's dead. Like, oh evil's not dead, oh actually evil and, it, and it's an escalation. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge escalation. The, the, one of the other complaints I've seen, and again, I can empathize with, but it also makes sense, is that uh, literally like every character who gets who has a named part in Halloween gets, you know, some kind of reference or, or character moment or something yeah. in in this one and you know on the one hand again i empathize with that and i can understand why it feel it it can feel like uh and an over like overindulgence or like trying too hard to to capture the the series initial fans but if you if you look at it from the point of view of you know haddonfield illinois is supposed to be a small town small community yeah the, and, and and these people who've been this this is a community that has lived in terror and lived with with guilt and PTSD of that night seventy years ago, or excuse me, of that night forty years ago from yeah. nineteen the, from the nineteen seventies. Then of course the people that still live there, the people that experienced that night, have, have never gotten away from it and would react, act and react in the way that they did in this movie. Were they suddenly confronted with the terror that you know? caused this ptsd 40 years ago it, it makes sense that you know again in a small town that tommy and lonnie and oh my god i cannot wait, believe i cannot remember the name of the girl from oh uh, uh is it start let's start with an i uh, the she's she's on real the actress is on real housewives yeah i can't uh, talk i can't think of her name the, the famous woman yelling at a cat meme yeah uh she was, she was, the, but she was the original actress who played that young girl in Halloween. Anyway, they, of course, if they, you know, on the one hand, small towns, so small towns are very hard to escape. Uh, you've pretty. There's that that trauma that that, that they've been harboring and suppressing for forty years. Yeah, comes back. It's 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 it actually. I feel like thematically and narratively. It makes total sense. Yeah, so no, I, I really do not have a problem with that. I agree, and I think it's it's weird because I do think they did, they've done a decent job of establishing that. Hey, the first movie happened, twenty eighteen Halloween happened, and now this movie happened, and that's it in this canon. I think the problem is a lot of people are taking stuff from other films and from they've seen from other stuff and just attributing it to this. Because if you watch the movies of 
here's Halloween, and here's 2018, and here's this one, of course you're going to wonder, like, oh, well, what happened to Tommy? What happened to Brackett? What happened to Lonnie? What happened to all these, like, the people that did have uh, effects from that night lingering? It does make sense, right. especially knowing in the first one you see Lori's struggle, you see her kids, you see how it's gone downhill, how, you know, like I said, how the PTSD still affects her, how the rage still affects her, how all this is still there in her. And then, so one thing I love about this movie that kind of ties into that, I honestly think this movie retroactively does fix some issues I had with the first one. Uh, uh, okay, you're going to have to expound on that, man. A big one being, like I've said before in the first one, uh, I respect the, let's stick to what the first movie set up of not having the familiar connection and not Lori not being her sis, or his sister. I respected that, but I thought in the first one it just seemed a little too aimless in time. So, so by first one, you mean 2018? Yeah, yeah, 2018. I thought, thought you meant first one, 1970. No, 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 yeah, 2018. Okay. Uh, yeah, 2018. So I thought it, the fact that this movie handles handles that really well of going into length of expanding more on like what Michael's kind of doing, the fact that, again, kind of giving a little bit of leeway to the doctor of him being this, the kind of scapegoat of like, oh, it was, it was the doctor's obsession with the case that, you know, put Michael there. The doctor's obsession here, he's not after you, Lori, which I thought is also handled really well of having, you know, Lori, this person who is for 40 years prepared for this man's return and for her to get hit with the realization that he doesn't give a shit about her. It's not about her yeah. at all. Exactly, yeah. That was, that was an excellent moment, for I, sure. I thought that was great, and I thought that kind of added a new dimension to it. Because, to, again, with the 2018 one, you had the problem of, oh, he's not after you because he's your sister, but we still have to make sure he's after you. And then that that movie by itself, the again, that Doctor has a super fast heel turn that comes from nowhere. Yeah, that was our, our main complaint yeah. about 2018. There were, like, my, I've gone back... My my two biggest complaints about 2018 are still the doctor has a heel turn out nowhere and the boyfriend has a heel turn out of nowhere and just is kind of just I like, there. I feel like the boyfriend's heel turn makes just enough sense because he's drunk. It makes enough sense, but it's like plot wise, like oh, it's he just does this fight just to get the phone in the pudding. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is whatever, but in this one again, that character has I don't want to call it re- not really a redemption, but it has a almost realistic effect of in the face of danger and. And craziness and tragedy of them kind of bonding again because they've well, gone just, through but this. But not just that. I mean, it basically opens with him being like, shit, I fucked up. Yeah. I fucked up. Oh, my God. Why did I do that? And which is also, again, like you say, very realistic. You know, in the heat of the moment, you do something stupid. When the when the um, the adrenaline burns off, yeah. you're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, that, felt, that felt very realistic, too. That did. Uh, one thing I loved about this movie, one of the few Halloween movies or a few slasher movies, period, where – we got to see the ramification of the death of people helping make these people feel like actual individuals and not just, you know, bodies to count up. Uh, having little moments like the girl go, you know, going to the hospital, wanting to find her son and eventually finding him on the slab. Having a few people, you know, mention missing kids, missing wives, missing husbands, missing family members, looking through throughout the movie, having these moments of pointing out that, like, that's not, you know, that was so-and-so. That's a person. That's a person. I thought they did a good job of establishing, like, oh, he is killing, like, these are people that have lives and are doing stuff. Yeah. And he is mowing them down. And even, like, you know, the older couple giving them a little bit of character, giving uh, Big John Little John a little bit of character, which... I want to talk about them for a little bit. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about them because 
Uh, so we'll, we'll jump right there because so Big John, Little John, uh, couple in the movie that they have bought the Myers house, brought it up, nice looking house. Uh, but uh, Michael is going home in this movie. That's basically his point of this movie is Michael is trying just to get back to his house. Yeah, like literally, um, if. Again, they point out Michael wasn't trying to get to Laurie Strode's house. He was trying to get to his house. And if you you follow his trail of destruction, his his trail of murders, it's literally a straight path to his home. He was diverted by his doctor to uh, head to Laurie's place, which I thought was actually a really, you know, again, like you said, it kind of – I mean, it's, it doesn't fix it because you can't fix something that already happened in a film, but it does it does give it a little bit more depth and a little bit yeah. more breadth in a way that I really like. Um, my big thing, and this is just pure nerd, um, so the actor that plays Little John, uh, murdered by Michael Byers, also murdered by a leprechaun, a leprechaun too. <laughs> um, I, I kind of want to see if this guy becomes the next Bill Paxton, uh, who is um, – I mean, we don't count Lance Hendrickson because uh, he didn't actually die because of a predator. But uh, Bill Paxton is the only person murdered by an alien, a predator, and a Terminator. I, I cannot remember the actor's name, but I want him to be like the only guy murdered by uh, a le- by a leprechaun, Michael Myers, and like a pinhead or something. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. uh, I, uh, but I, I want to I want to see if he's been in any other horror movies where he was murdered by uh, a somewhat famous uh, killer, and see if we can get a, a, a Bill Paxton thing going for him. That'd be cool. That'd be cool because he's pro- probably I don't know I can't think of his name I know I've seen him in a, several times. He was on Mad TV. He's, he yeah. was toured on Mad TV. Yeah, that's where I mostly know him from. Yeah. So uh, there's a chance he's already been in something. To be honest, knowing that like, who knows? There's that weird point right. in like that late '90s, early 2000s where they're just throwing people in slashers trying to make him big again. So yeah, like maybe he was killed by Ghostface in Scream Four because I haven't seen Scream Four. So who knows? Who, who knows for real? But yeah, they uh. That's another one where, again, Michael's just having some brutal kills. There's a couple of kills in this one that are just brutal. And I also, I, I here's the thing. I do agree to a point where I know where people, you mentioned it earlier, about, oh, well, the first one, you know, is, is he's not this bloodthirsty, just savage where you see every bit of it. However, I, I do think people do a bit of a disservice when they act like things can only be scary or only be good or only work if they are bloodless and you don't see it. Where I, I agree the imagination can typically do more, but every now and then it does cha- – it's a nice change of pace in this when you do see like, oh, no, he's just going brutal. Yeah. Especially because the practical effects and uh, the CG and anything – like everything in this movie looks great. Absolutely, yes, one hundred percent. It's a, it's a sharply shot film. It's it's a very very pretty movie. They did something I have for for, for a, for a uh, super gross horror movie. Yeah, they did something I have never seen done successfully in another film, and a lot of films try to do this. Where so this movie begins with a flashback to the night of the original movie and kind of how Michael got away. I don't exactly know how they did it, but. Between the camera filter, between maybe the camera itself, the setting, the stage design, everything around it. like It's one of the few times where it's made to look like the 70s, made to look like it's from after that film. And it's very crisp, clear picture, of course, because it's 2021. But everything else looks fucking good. Yeah. Like, it looks great. Include up until the point where the Donald Pleasance part, which, how they did it, for anyone wondering... 
was uh, there's actually it's a construction worker who he makes set designs for a bunch of movies who just happens to look a shit ton like Donald Pleasance. Okay, because I was gonna say the dude has a credit. Yeah. In in the credits. So it's essentially it's him. It's the guy who did the voice for Donald Pleasance from the last movie, doing the voice, and okay. uh, like a little bit of CG touch up. Okay. Yeah, I was because I was like, we've we, we've already come a long way from uh, Princess Leia and Rogue One, yeah. um, well, because yeah. he he looked tremendously. Yeah. Like I was, I, I was, I was one of the people in the audience. Like, how the fuck did they get digital Donald Pleasance in here? Yeah. Well, and on, again, it's such a beautiful way to do it because even that being said, a look alike, a sound alike, that all works. But I mean. That combined with maybe it's just combined with the already looking like the seventies, it helps. I don't know, but it is the best like posthumous scene I've seen of late. Like out of all the ones we we've had a shit ton of them. Out of all the Star Wars franchise ones, out of all the de aging, re aging, bringing someone back from the dead, essentially, this is the first one where it was like I didn't look at it and immediately go like, "Oh, look, they're the CG person." Right. And like you said, that little bit of CG having a look alike. Having a sound like it, it works really fucking well. Uh, I also like how that even like how they you know we knew that there was going to be a flashback scene because there were set photos from the last movie where there were masks that were made to look like the original mask that weren't used. And with how these movies are shot, because I believe I don't know if they were shot back to back to back or if they were shot just uh, first one, then the these two shot back to back. I'm not entirely sure. There was. There, I have, having listened to Jamie Lee Curtis on the King cast, um, they there was, I think they were writing Halloween Kills as Halloween was coming out. Okay, like they like they they knew they had another one, um, but they were not shot back to back. I, I, I would not be surprised. I didn't know this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends were shot back to back. Oh, I'm almost positive those two were because, like Halloween Ends is set to come out next year originally. Halloween Ends was supposed to come out on this date, and Kills was come out last year. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's right. So, again, COVID fun. Uh, yep. We are really a year behind on everything, but uh, this is, I think... Oh, I, hey, just real, real, uh, real, real, real quick. Yeah. Um, no Time to Die is excellent. See, I, I still need to see it. I, I've heard good things about it. I really loved it. I, I I'm so, so happy. We So, we'll take a quick aside. Because the one thing I do, that movie, and the only reason I messaged you that earlier is I, I kind of hate the narrative that it's underperforming because I, I get why they're saying it's underperforming because it is in a sense of how high it has to perform to make money back. It's fucking crazy. And I get it because between COVID, between budget, between it being Bond, blah, 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 blah. But it is, yeah, it's, box office is doing well, it's really been good. Almost, it's been almost delayed by, like, two years. Yeah, it's been, it's box office is great, but yeah, that, it goes to show you just, like, so for anyone who doesn't know, they, I think it was Variety put, put out the article about uh, No Time to Die and what it has to make to make the studio money. And it, if I remember right, it's, like, the break-even point now is, like, $800 million. Which is just bug nuts. Yeah, and it's, like... I think the break-even is like $800 million. The When they actually start recouping to a high degree where they can finance more, like $900 million. And Yeah, it's like absurd numbers, especially to boot in a pandemic era, because that's the sad part of this is, had that not been, had they not had such, such high expectations, 
it's performing incredibly well. Yeah, yeah, it's doing really great for, again, for COVID numbers and also for um, a COVID movie that's not available on a streaming service. It's theatrical only. Yeah. Uh, I'm very, I'm going to be very curious to hear what uh, Halloween's uh, Kills this Weekend numbers end up being just because it is available on Peacock. Yeah. And again, I absolutely went and saw it in the theater because I, I wanted the big screen experience. But you've watched it, what, five times now? Yeah, on I've seen it a lot. I've, so I've watched it. <laughs> Three times fully awake, and then I've fallen asleep to it a couple times. Uh, and that's honestly, again, just completely uh, random. That is something I absolutely love about you, man. I love that you fall asleep to incredibly, ridiculously over-the-top gory horror films. Because <laughs> as, as, as much as I love horror, and as much as I am a horror nut... That's that's not it's not like a, a sleep comfort thing for me. It's it's a, it's a comfort thing for me, yes, but it's not something that I can just like you know put on and doze to. I I think like grew up, uh, just something I love about you. I don't thank you. I think because I grew up watching so many like specifically Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. Those movies for some that's reason, fair. yeah, those movies like they are some of my ones that are like my go to bed movies. If I just like oh I'm tired, I got to put something on. It's like those like King of the Hill. Are up there pretty high with like always and always something Philadelphia and Bob's Burgers. Like I'll fall asleep to these pretty quick. I know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I ended up. I watched the entirety of King of the Hill while it was on Hulu because I knew you were such a big fan. And I forgot. Yeah, Halloween is like one of your like from from a baby franchise. Yeah, like you you have been watching that from a very very young age. Oh, I love. Yeah, no, I love Halloween's. Pro, I mean, it's definitely my favorite like slasher franchise. I love Friday. I love Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, so actually that ties into something I want to talk about with this film, which is so one thing about Halloween, which is interesting, is like the character, like as dumb as some of the movies are, the character Michael is like the last bastion in the sense of he himself have never has never become the point of parody or comedy. Mm. Not in his own franchise, at least. I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, uh, there's there's a number of uh, um, parody like YouTube's and TikToks and all that. Yeah, because even when, like, even that late '90s period where like they were trying to figure out what to do with a horror movie, you had H, you had H2O, which was like, oh yeah, it's different. But the same around the same time, you had fucking Jason Goes to Hell and. Uh, a new nightmare and things like that, which are well, Jason X, which Jason I X. adore. But uh, I mean, the closest you've got is uh, Buster Rhymes. Yeah, but again, that that was not Michael. That yeah. was an element of the the Myers yeah. setup. So, though it is interesting that Resurrection came to kind of the same conclusion this movie did with without the familiar connection, he just wants to go home. Yeah, um, but in that one, it didn't. That one didn't feel right. No, it didn't. It 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 wasn't that that connection. I am so sorry. I'm like so scatterbrained right now. Oh, okay. Um, the the you're 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 right. The connection did not lace in that one. It didn't feel organic. Is what I'm trying to get at. Jesus God. Yeah. Um, it, it did not feel organic in Resurrection at all. Whereas in this one, the way it's set up and handled feels entirely organic and really impressive for that. No, I agree. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because Resurrection, for those who don't know, the most like early two thousands horror movie you can get where it's. Michael kills Laurie in the first five minutes, and after that, he is heading home, and it just so happens on that same night, of course, they're having a reality show with Buster Rhymes and all these other people at the Myers house. Uh, I want to say Vanessa Fox. I think. Vivica Fox. Yeah. Vivica Fox, Buster Rhymes, and then one of... 
uh, Katie Sackhoff's earliest roles. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a random one. It's a very random it's one. Super random one. Yes. Uh, there's a scene of dialogue that's entirely improvised between uh, Busta and Vivica, and it makes no sense. Uh, I do remember hearing somewhere that Busta Rhymes like insisted that he come to Michael Myers. That. Like that that was that was part of his like in his contract that he was going to do some kung fu shit on Michael Myers. It would have to be because again, it's the one of the few times Michael's been bested by someone, and it's random out of nowhere. And yeah, it's Busta Rhymes doing kung fu. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I will say if I remember correctly, the uh, the original title for the film was Halloween dot com. There is a couple. That's a much better title, I, I felt like. Like, just, just lead into it, guys. Come yeah. on, it's okay. Well, at this point, man, it, I was telling, I was talking, I can't remember who I was talking to yesterday, talking, trying to explain the different Halloween timelines now, and it has become a very interesting franchise in the sense that there are, like, six competing timelines mm-hmm. that are all... Well, there, there's, there's individual timelines, there's reboots, yeah. there's the crazy one-off, yeah. which... I mean, I I totally understand that it has its fans. I I went into it, and maybe my expectations were so were too high because I knew it did have its fans. I could barely make it through Halloween three. I did not enjoy watching that film. Yeah, I don't. But that's that's I don't love it. okay. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I know you're a big Halloween booster. So I didn't know if you had like a really super secret soft spot for that one or something. No, I know you love I know you love Halloween too, and God, that's another one where it's just like uh, I don't get it. I do not I get like the it. appreciation for Halloween too. Halloween two is such an end. That's a, that might I mean that is clearly the most like that is the fucking what the singular point when it comes to the fucking different timelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything did, branches off of Halloween 2, for yeah, sure. Did Halloween 2 happen? If not, then you're probably in the modern timeline or the Rob Zombie timeline. Right. Did it happen? Which, even how, but even in Rob Zombie, Halloween 2 is homaged yeah. in the dream sequence that makes no goddamn sense that it's a dream sequence. That's yeah, true. Uh, yeah, um, uh, if, that, if Halloween 2 did happen, then you're either in the, the Thorn trilogy or you're in the H2O Resurrection universe. Right. Yeah. Which of those two, I prefer the H2O Resurrection universe. Although, having said that, Halloween 4 is. I don't know. I'd have to watch Halloween Kills again, but Halloween 4 is my second favorite Halloween film after Halloween. Though Kills is going to be up there. I will see. Yeah, Kills is up there for me. H2O, I, H2O is the one that has not aged great. I need to rewatch it because I'm going purely off of memory on this. Yeah, one. there's there's a couple, and especially now that I would argue the Halloween 2018 almost feels like a better H2O. That's fair. That's and, incredibly fair. Yeah, it just has some weird. You also have the weird. Yeah, a lot. H2O has a lot of weird shit on it too because it has like literally they hired a dude to to do the music, but they didn't like the music he used, so they basically just licensed out the scream music for it. So if you listen to that movie, there's a lot oh, of times. It's that just sucks. a screen, yeah. It's just a screen soundtrack at parts. That's that is one thing I will I will absolutely one hundred percent applaud uh, the modern timeline for. Yeah. Is not not only are they giving John Carpenter money uh, by way of remaking his films, but they also hired him to record the music. Yeah. And that's fucking cool. That's it's great. Fucking, Give that guy a check twice over for this. Yeah. Yeah. And 100%. I like that. There was a recent interview where I really liked Carpenter, where he they asked about his involvement, and he talked, and he basically said, you know, he's been bitching and moaning from the sidelines for decades about the Halloween, and he felt, well, if I'm going to keep bitching, I may as well try and throw my hat in the ring on what they're doing again. 
Right. Uh, and I appreciate that because, again, going back to Halloween 2, it's such because as much as John Carpenter hates Halloween 2, he also had a shit ton to do with it, too. Well, he got drunk and wrote it on a weekend, man. I, I mean, don't care. He still wrote it. <laughs> he wrote it. He did the fucking music for it. He produced it. He was on set a lot. He was one of the people that, like, he still had a shit ton to do his with it. His buddy directed it. Yeah, his buddy directed it. Deborah Hill still involved in it. Like, yeah, okay. There's, and I get that now. He's like, he looks back, and I know he's talk, called it. You know, he he couldn't come up with something better. Is why there's a family connection, and why that reveal right. happens. But it's still one of those yeah. things where it, it's always made me laugh. Like, fuck, Halloween Two is worse than the franchise. Like, that's your fault. You did it. Yeah. You can't. But that's the thing is, I don't think I don't think he's ever said, you know, Halloween Two is the worst in the franchise, and I. I disavow it and I have nothing to do with it. Mm. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like how, um, hate to bring his name up, but Joss Whedon is like, yeah, the only thing about the alien, there's one line from the alien resurrection movie that was in my original script. And yeah. it's like, bullshit. Alien resurrection is essentially proto firefly. Stop, stop bullshitting Whedon. Yeah. At least, at least Carpenter's not doing that. That's um, true. To, to kind of sort of pull it back on track. I actually have a question for you, man. Yes. You texted me, uh, we were kind of talking about this a little bit a couple of days ago when we both first seen the movie, and you said something about how you were surprised they brought back the curse. Yeah! Uh, could you expound upon that? Because uh, I didn't really I didn't really get that from so, from what they were, because I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're seeing you're talking about. You're basically talking about the ending, right? Yeah, so the ending, this is where I, I'm really curious what the director means. Because so there's a post-spoiler interview the director did talking about the film, and the director's point of view is that Laurie now believes that Michael is supernatural. The director does not believe he is supernatural. The director says he is a he is a man who just does exceptional and near impossible things. Where Laurie believes uh, he has become something supernatural. So in the in the end of the film, and this was again the weirdest Easter egg homage thing ever. But the, just hearing for one, hearing Michael or hearing Laurie straight up say the you know it's a curse of Michael Myers. Was bizarre. Okay, I didn't. I I totally did not put that together. But now that you said that, I remember her saying that. And yes, that is like, oh shit. Yeah, it's like, which is again, it's very interesting because I will. So yeah, we're talking about spoilers. I don't entirely know how the director will say there's nothing supernatural now based off of the endings. Right. Because uh, yeah, I mean, he he was beaten near to death. He got shot just, like but, seven times in the chest, point blank range, stabbed right. in the back of the neck. Oh, was it in the neck? It looked like the shoulder. It, it may have been the shoulder. I have to look it up. But anyway, got stabbed in the back after getting hit by multiple blunt objects multiple, multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then gets stabbed in the back with a pitchfork, gets curb stomped on. Also, before that, got curb stomped on the stairs. And on top of the same night, he got fucking shot three or four times in the first movie, set on fire. Uh,. All that, etc. Uh, and then have, of course, the ending, ending of him being able to not. You, first, you have the like the which I thought was fucking awesome. The like cool ghost silhouette of the child thing, which yes, was yeah. fucking awesome. And then you have, of but course, again, Michael. I felt like that was thematically. You know, I felt like that was just a, a metaphor. That wasn't. I didn't. I didn't feel like that was something that That's was fair. really fair. That's fair. But it does go back to, again, how, you know, and then you have the office of Michael somehow getting past literally whoever's in front of behind in, in a police scene to get right behind her again, uh, which 
I don't know. I don't know where they're going to take it, but I don't know how you how you lessen him from now. This true because I will say by the end of this movie, I think they have taken him to a true boogeyman level. Well, it, it reminds me of something my buddies and I used to joke about. Um, so we, we uh, my buddy Chris, Chris Wood, yeah, uh, he, he he came up with this, and I, I want to give him full credit because on the for one, it's a, it's hilarious, and for two, it's brilliant. Uh, we 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 used to talk about the three main, you know, the the three the big trinity of horror uh, like this, you know. Freddy Krueger is a demon. It is very clearly established in uh, Nightmare 6 that Freddy made a pact with demons and is now a demonic entity. Um, Jason Voorhees is a force of nature. He is he is just – he's an unstoppable thing. He is, he is not human. He is not – anything he is nature itself he he, he is uh, he has no he has the form and shape of a human but he has no human aspect to him michael myers is really really determined so here's the thing i think that works with the but family now, connection yeah, and that's exactly right because that's the, the the whole thing before you know 2018 was he is really really determined to kill his sister, but I think we've gone beyond that with the new one and now Michael's the force of nature. Uh, yeah, I, which I don't know what say. that makes Jason. Yeah, I don't know either because I, I was about to say now, especially in this movie, it is shot and as Laurie is talking about this idea that he gets stronger, the angrier, the more upset, the more fearful of town, and then literally showing him down to the count after getting stabbed. And just getting like rejuvenated instantly and taking out the entire mob, mm-hmm. uh, which again I like that scene. I really do, and I, I like that scene. I love like. There's also a really cool uh, theory I've been watching about. So before she stabs Michael when he's on the ground, she's literally given a choice to either go back to your daughter, you know, go back to your daughter, protect her, and instead she chooses to pick up the knife, stab her, and then instead of staying with her daughter, she goes upstairs. And you know, see looks, what Michael saw. yeah, looks in on herself and sees Michael. And there's a big theory right. that's like he's you know literally both in name and sake and everything is literally turning the town evil. Right. Well, and again, just uh, because I, I seem to be harping on it today, thematically that is like you know we see things in threes. We see three different people yeah. go to Michael's window. Yeah. We see the cop. We see, I think it was Little John. It might have been Big John. One of the two. I think it was Little John. Yeah. One of the Johns. And we see Karen. All three go to Michael's window. And we, we are given, uh, each time, we are given this sense within the film that they are seeing what Michael saw. Yeah. And, but, but, before, but before we as an audience get to experience that as well, they are murdered by Michael Myers. Yes. So... Um, again, it's it's very very. It's a very cyclical film. It's very thematic. It's it's playing with a lot of metaphor and ideas in a way that is quite astonishing for any horror movie, yeah. not just a slasher film. Uh, in a way that I, I keep coming back to and chewing on, which I think is really fantastic. Um, and yeah, that that is something that I, I I'd kind of forgotten, but I, I did notice was that yeah, Karen Karen is, is given a choice. She is given the choice to protect her daughter or take take this blow against the killer, and she takes the blow. And you're right, after she chooses violence as opposed to protection, Michael is rejuvenated. And there is and there is something that the, that Laurie does say about how he's feeding on 
that again that town's trauma the town's yeah. ptsd that the, the hate and fear that this that has been spawned from this so that's uh again very very thematically uh fascinating well and what's uh to me what's uh, sorry to cut you off a little bit there but uh no no please one thing that is like really truly fascinating to me that i think no one's giving this credit for is this might be the first time in like horror movie especially slasher movie history where a team has set out to make a beginning, middle, and end story. With a beginning, a middle, and end in, in mind, like I said, they were with the first movie, they had a second idea in mind, started writing the second one, immediately after had the third one in mind. I think uh, those two were either shot back-to-back or shot very close to the second and third one. Right, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I guess they would have to be, because knowing how fast they're coming out. Uh, but, right, and then also, the, from what I understand, the, the delay was, the COVID delay was purely in release. It wasn't yeah, in shooting. Exactly. Which means they pretty much had to be shot back-to-back, which, yeah. I think Halloween's the first movie that I've seen where I do think they took that uh, post-production time to clean up, because, again, it just looks great. Like, there's, yeah. so, this is a comic podcast, we'll talk about this. the ending. I think it's because, uh, oh, what is his fucking name? Uh, the The writer. The comedian. Uh, I can't remember his name. Fuck, that's gonna bug. Oh, me. oh, oh, oh! Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, shit. Now I'm uh, Danny. Danny McBride. Yeah, Danny McBride. Uh, with him, you know, having an affinity for horror movies and comics and things like that, I 100 percent think there are two times this movie that mimic comic panels. The ending when he's killing the mob. Every time he's killing the mob, it is shot and is shot just like a comic panel. With a black with a black background and him doing a here uh, you know some kind of a death pose a death kill like a shot worth doing. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, then you also have it with the John dancing earlier uh, to the record with the quick cuts and him mm-hmm. dancing, which uh, that's I will well, say. See, I would even say the the different shots of the Myers window. Yeah, uh, no, you're right. Um, and then the the boots, the, the stain of the boots. Uh, yeah, was oh, that was very, great. very panelly, that very comic panelly. There's a, a Loomis looking up at the staircase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like yeah, a yeah. textbook comic one, and I really, really dig that because it kind of goes with the him being. It helps present a larger than life movie in a way I didn't really think about. Yeah, same man. It's so fascinating. I really love this movie even before going. To this conversation, but I feel like you and I have really fi- found some surprising depth yeah. to to this uh, horror slasher sequel that um, I'm sure the the producers and director uh, intended to be there. I think, but so. I don't think a lot of people are. But I don't think, and I'm not trying to say like, holy shit, look at us, we're amazing. But I feel like a lot of people aren't picking up on this. I agree. I think a lot of people are watching, it and it's like, oh well, in this one, he just. He just kills everybody. That's all he does. He's just killing people, and he doesn't. And he's impossible to kill. It's like, theme of the film. Yeah, the theme of the film is, is that kills. This, this, this thing, this thing isn't unstoppable. It's it 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 is an it, not a person. It is it is becoming an it. Yeah. And yeah, just man. I don't. Going, it's such a good movie. Dude. Yeah, I fucking love it. I, I go back to. I don't know how the knowing the director keeps saying, and maybe he's just saving face, or maybe he's just you know playing coy, whatever it may be, but. I don't again him insisting that he it you know he is just human at this point again not to be like oh well he's you know he survived a lot like he has gone above and beyond surviving although I did like the nice touch of showing him like hiding in the fireproof uh, gun safe in the underground bunker and that's kind of how he got out yeah uh, 
I, I will say my favorite part, which was very much again kind of a, a comic booky slash superhero filmy moment, was uh, and if, if I may be allowed to do a little J.R. Ross here, oh God, Judy Greer with the pitchfork to the back. Yeah, that was great. That was I, again. I do love that the movie about him being chased by a mob. He's brought down by a literal pitchfork to the back. Yep, it, that, by a mother, by, yeah, by, by another, by another strong female character, uh, which is honestly the linchpin of this franchise. The good, the good Halloween movies are the ones that acknowledge that that you know not not just the final girl trope, which is really much more of a Friday the Thirteenth thing, yeah. but that a a, a strong uh, woman is capable of. Confusing, controlling, manipulating Michael, which goes all the way back to his sister and, yeah. and his very clear feelings for his sister, whatever feelings those end up being by the time we get to the third film. And I, and I absolutely say that about Daniel Harris in uh, Halloween 4, yeah. um, right right up until the, the evil that is in Michael possesses her, where, however you want to, to read that ending, which initially when I first saw Halloween 4, that ending upset the shit out of me. <laughs> but, the, but the more I sat with it, the more I'm like, it, how could you end it any other way? Well, looking back, Honestly. man, I know they, they didn't. They turned down the draft, but I would have loved to have seen – because that idea of like – the whole idea of like, oh, Michael Myers can't that, can be anybody, can be anything. Anyone can snap like that. Had they gone with that direction, it probably would have been equally hated. But, man, it would have been interesting to have the fifth film be that original weird cut where she was the killer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have been. And I do love like both that both the ending of Halloween four and the ending of Halloween two. They both get that weird nerf status where it's like when five shows the recap of it, and it's like he doesn't get shot quite as much. The dynamite doesn't blow up quite as near him. Uh, he got to spend a year on somebody's couch in a coma. Yeah, have you seen the original uh, version of his uh, how he gets brought back? No, I haven't. So it's actually on YouTube because uh, they so originally they shot it where. And this is why the Hermit's area looks so fucking weird. The original start to it that they filmed and shot and everything was him floating down the river and basically ending up in this weird, like, voodoo shaman's uh, little house and him bringing him back to, literally bringing him back to life. Oh, God. And it's on YouTube. You can watch. I don't know how I feel about that because on the one hand, it's like, sure, why not at this point? Yeah. But on the other hand, yeah, I'm, that does sound kind of. Dumb yeah, as hell. yeah, it's uh, it's uh, but it's like shot done. The sad thing is that poor fucking actor had to because they had to reshoot it with the new guy. He had to go through like a thirty degree river twice. Oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, no, but uh, yeah. So that again, going back to it, and one thing I think these franchises just one and two now both do. And at first we thought I thought it was kind of weird in one, and we both kind of thought about it like all the because even though it doesn't pick up the breadcrumbs from four, five, six, or any of the others. The fact that it kept on doing these little homages, like, oh, there's a gas station scene, kind of like in four. Oh, there's, you know, this scene, kind of like in five. Now that we're getting the, the name drop of Curse of Michael Myers, my big theory on this film franchise, and what I think they're going for, do you remember the big, the big fan theory that when uh, Christopher Nolan movies for Batman were coming out, the big theory was like, oh, well, this is like the real Batman, all the comics and games and everything are like... The you know urban legends and rumors that sprung up after Batman went away. Uh, no, I hadn't heard that. Oh, well, that, there's a popular fan theory for a while. I kind of think this movie is essentially purposely doing that with the Halloween movies, where it's essentially making everything else like a quote-unquote urban legend of Michael Myers. Of 
Well, I mean, they, they clearly point that out in the first one where, yeah. where they, they talk about him being and Laurie being siblings is just, you know, yeah. a story. Well, well, especially now, though, because it's like you have Laurie go to the hospital where everyone thinks he's there. And you're going to have people who tell the story like Michael was at the hospital and he killed himself at the hospital. Because now we, in real life we've seen news like that, no matter what evidence you have against it, people will believe shit like that. Because they thought Michael was there, and they thought that's who Michael was, and he killed himself. And I kind of, I really did like that kind of mob mentality, especially right now. Because in the past, I might not have th- thought that was a real mentality people would have in a situation like that, and be like, oh, they would have listened to her, and clearly seen that's not Michael. Nowadays, I go, nope, that's probably how that would have fucking happened. No, no, that's 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 absolutely how I read it. Is like, oh yeah, yep, people are that stupid. And also, again, that that plays back into the theme of the PTSD and trauma of the town. Yeah, it's it's and and the um, the the tragedy of Tommy Doyle as a character in that he can't he can't see past his own trauma. Yeah, you know, he 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 cannot process the idea that that uh, this this strange looking very clearly mentally un- unwell man is not the cause of his trauma and that he is he cannot be you know his uh he, he can't save himself oh uh, this is random random on this note but speaking of uh like michael myers stuff i will say i this might be my new favorite mask I like it. I, I like this, the mask a lot. <laughs> this is the first one since the zombie one that I'm like actively like Trick or Treat Studios made a like off of the hero replica of like 70 bucks you can get it and uh, I'm like I might buy that just because uh, this is a mask that I fucking love. It, it captures what works about the Michael mask so well. What The secret is Take this from a hardcore Halloween fan. Why the first movie, why Rob Zombie's first movie, and this movie in 2018 get right about Michael's look is, the secret to it is, you can't see his fucking eyes. Mm-hmm. That is a gift. Any, and again, that's what I hate about Halloween too is that his eyes are so fucking yeah. obvious. Well, that went, that went, in fairness, went for the complete reverse of like, he's just a fucking decrepit, homeless vagrant that is going crazy. <laughs> Right. Uh, um, I gotta ask, what is it about the the zombie Halloween mask that you like so much? Because I don't remember it particularly being anything special. Uh, similar to similar to this one, where it just it had the same idea. So also, I think the 2018 mask borrows a lot from the first zombie one, but they had the similar idea of it's old, it's decrepit, it's beat up, it's tore up, but it still has this pun not intended, but the shape you're looking for. And it has, again, it has that, like, just menacing look, but also blank at the same time. Uh, Where some of the other films, like, especially 5, and as much as I love 4, 4 as well, really fucks it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's probably the worst part of 4, which is, again, my second favorite Halloween movie, is The Mask is kind of shitty. Well, and even the original Halloween 2, the the biggest problem with that one is they have the same mask, but the actor playing it's got a fatter head, and so it stretches different, and you see his fucking eyes the entire film. So it looks way too human, and it just humanizes him way too much, and it's hard to have that boogeyman image of him when you see his eyes that much. Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. That is, and that's not something I noticed, but uh, now that you've pointed it out, it is so fucking obvious. Yeah, that is easily the best part of of these movies. That yeah, you you know, Michael's has these these blank dead. He does is black. You yeah. cannot see the blank uh-huh. dead stare What's that the- he's that he. He's what's, described as having. What's the fucking Loomis quote? The the eyes of the, the, the pitch black the eyes. The devil's eyes. The devil's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I wanted to say doll's eyes, but that's Jaws. Yeah. Um, but Similar. yeah, no, he has, yes, exactly. And, and again, Michael's basically a shark. Yeah. He doesn't care. You know, he's, he's not murdering these people because it brings him any kind of pleasure, unlike Freddie. Yeah. And he's not doing it because he's, you know, compelled to kill like Jason. He kills because you're in his way. Yeah. And he doesn't care. And so, and, and on its own level, that's fucking terrifying. That, that is, although I guess every now and then he takes a, he, every now and then he, he cares a little bit because there is weird moments where it kind of like the old couple where he does relish it every now and then. Right. Every or I guess Lori for some reason Lori caught his eye in the original movie now and he was just like I'm home but let me go see what she's up to. Well, and that was something Carpenter talks about about the first Halloween is that it wasn't that Lori was special; yeah. it's that Lori noticed. Yeah, Michael. Michael was just out to to murder some annoying teenagers. Lori just happened to see him and and, and kind of get an idea of what was going on. Yeah, uh, and again, that's what works. And I'm like, I'm back to the instant at the ending too. I I do hate because no matter how you feel at the ending. Worst case scenario, this is a very normal horror movie ending of, hey, one of the main characters gets killed at the end, and the killer's alive, and it is, on one hand, it does show how much 2018's Halloween permeated culture that you had a lot of non-horror fans watching horror movies again, and specifically slasher movies again, because the fact that so many people that saw 2018 saw this one, and that was their takeaway, tells me that they really are not used to the, the horror world for that's right. not a bad thing but it's like if that ending affected you that much then clearly yeah you haven't watched it because again we just talked about Halloween 4 literally well for fuck's sake let's go back the original movie ends with Michael gone the killer escaped yeah Halloween Loomis, Loomis shoots him six times he falls out of a window they lean down to look at him he's gone yeah he's gone He's gone. He's the boogeyman I'm afraid he is yeah yeah that's, that's it that's, that's and that's and again, I feel like Kills has a very similar ending. Yeah, you know, he 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 survives his uh, his what should have been a deathly encounter for him. He murders someone who is in his sacred space, which again, cyclical. We've already seen that twice yeah. in the film, and then he disappears because that's what Michael Myers does. <laughs> yeah, and. It looks like so, – so it sounds like there's going to be a four-year time gap between uh, – like that takes place between this movie and the next movie. Interesting. Uh, and I do think – I do think – I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't know either. It's uh, it's interesting. One of the interesting aspects – I don't know about it. They've talked about the four-year gap. It will loosely deal with some ramifications of the actual COVID pandemic, huh. which I go back huh. and forth on because on one yeah. hand, I'm like – that's all. But on the other hand, I'm also like, I don't know, because that does sound like a, a perfect time for Michael Myers when it's like people are literally not talking to their neighbors and are very secluded. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. But then, but then again, if, if, if it goes with what we've been talking about, he wouldn't be killing anybody because then he'd be in his home able to stare out from his sister's window, see whatever he was seeing and be undisturbed. So would he go on a, on a, on a spree? I think so, because kind of like the original one, even though he made it home at the beginning of the movie, he still went went out as soon as someone, like said, as soon as Lori knocked on the door and he saw her and he she saw him. It's like, oh, from that point on, he had a new game to play. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll, it'll be, again, it goes back to it's 
it's going to be interesting because this will be the first film that ever kind of got this far in telling this type of Michael story. That's true because they kept trying to do it and getting interrupted. And that's something that I found really interesting about um, – there's a the uh, the with Corley and Russ podcast did a, a, a retrospective on all the Halloween films for their second season, and that's something they talked about is how you know you had one, you had two, and then you had the they 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 tried to push it into the anthology stage that didn't work, so you had four, you had five, and then six kind of like went off the rails, so they couldn't get to their um, yeah you get the ultimate Thorn ending that they wanted. Then you had the Halloween the the remakes. Or then you had the sorry, you had the um, the H two O continuity, which again resurrection threw that off the train. Yeah. Then you had how uh, zombies films, which only got two in. He did not get to do his. Uh, I well, think he actually was talking about so Halloween three D. He so he dropped off. His big thing was he dropped off because two was like his. Like this is it. I'm done. Uh, uh, but the studio, because Halloween two still made a shit ton of money, uh, uh, they had plans to do Halloween three D because that was around the time that like My Bloody Valentine three D and everything like that was coming off. So they were going to do that, and that one, there's a script, and there was some, like, casting rumors that they got really far with that, and then it died. Then it became, I think it was Halloween Returns, and then eventually that evolved into Halloween 2018. Okay. But, yeah, there was 100% a, a Halloween 3D script out there, and uh, oh, I, I've, I, I, rem- I know I was I've... I say, have you read it? I, don't, I haven't read it, but I've heard a lot of breakdowns of it, and it's... There's a couple, there's a lot of weird shit. Like, there's also that weird uh, Chaos Comics Halloween series from, like, the late 90s. Yeah. That uh, was loosely con- trying to, con- kind of, like, trying to connect all the different timelines of that period. Oh, wow. And it went in some weird, like, Michael, which, uh, here's the problem. This could be where this goes, too. I don't know. But its whole theory was essentially Michael was, like, in a semi-ancestral relationship with his sister. And that's, that's something people have touched on before. Yeah, uh, there was a, a really great um, podcast um, a few years ago that just focused on the first Halloween film, and they did bring in a doctor, like an actual psychiatrist, to talk about what could have motivated um, Michael to do this, just as a young man to his sister. And the doctor was like, "Well, honestly, just given the evidence that we we uh, are." shown in the film uh his sister probably molested him mm. and in fairness fits right into the rob zombie halloween franchise there yeah <laughs> that uh that whole family definitely probably had that shit well clearly had it uh going on they mentioned a couple of shit like that so he wasn't that wrong i still i still stand by i think the problem with the rob zombie even though i love the rob zombie halloween i think the problem is you can say it humanizes him Michael way too much because you do see him grow up, and uh, but that's also the best part of the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a far more interesting first half than it is the second half because the second half is almost too rever- reverential. Yeah, to uh, to the uh, the nineteen seventy eight version. So it is it's it's such a hard movie to watch because on the one hand you don't want to see Michael Myers' origin because he doesn't need one, but on the other hand, the origin as done is actually pretty solid and among Zombie's best work, but on the third hand, why does this exist? But on the fourth hand, the back half of the movie is pretty much unnecessary. It's, it's, but on the fifth hand, it's actually a pretty, it's a very watchable film. Yeah, I will Uh, say, that's the the one thing, Halloween, the Rob Zombie Halloween 1 and 2, the original Halloween, and now uh, Halloween 2018 and this one are by far the best looking in the franchise. 
Yeah, and I, I still, I still hate Halloween. His Halloween too. I hate both That's Halloween twos. Let me put it that way. Um, I though I did buy the unrated version at some point, and I'm gonna sit down and watch it and, and give it one more fair shake. But uh, I do remember I had a, a lot of uh, fondness for his his initial Halloween remake. It's a, it's a very like I said, it's a very watchable film. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Zombie as a director like you are, but I will say Devil's Rejects and his first Halloween remake are actually pretty decent films and devil's rejects is honestly just an, an unironically good horror movie. oh yeah devil's full, full stop devil's rejects is a good movie devil's rejects kind of the similar thing where i've we mentioned before devil's rejects does like the unthinkable where it somehow does make you care for horrendous people while making sure you were reminded they are horrendous they are fucking fruity, dude. Dude, it's it's it is a magical storytelling device, and whether Zombie ever reaches that again or not, the fact that he somehow captured that, mm-hmm. yeah, I have the, the, the fact that he did it once, holy shit. Yeah. Because again, and I know you're a fan, and I'm not, but based on House of a Thousand Corpses, I I would never have expected he had a Devil's Rejects in him. Yeah, it's true. I think a lot of people are that way because he. That, that's one reason I always will watch his shit because, uh, no offense to like. Kevin Smith or other people like that. I feel like what separates Rob Zombie and Robert Rodriguez from like the Kevin Smiths of the world. Again, I still, I don't like Kevin Smith more than you do nowadays. Is oh yeah. At the end of it, Zombie and Rodriguez have such a flair for set design and mm-hmm. intro and are such good visual directors that even if the movie's not great, it's gonna look great. Where Smith is kind of reverse. Where if he's not telling a great story. He's a very flat director. There's nothing to hang your hat on. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, 100%. Uh, which, again, going back to Halloween Kills, I think it's great on, on both. I think it's one of the best written Halloween films, one of the best looking by far. And, uh, yeah, no, Halloween Kills, I, I'm kind of shocked at how much I like it, giving the, again, sim- very divisive response to this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, and even I even you know just to kind of put it bring it to a very personal home uh, after we saw it in theater I looked at my wife I was like what are you saying she's like meh yeah that's my it, it, it didn't work for her at all and I was just sitting there like I empathize but I disagree so yeah, hard that's how so here uh, me and James watched it both of us loved it but uh, James's mom and my mom both and my mom's a big fan of the Halloween franchise that's the reason you can go to sleep to Halloween films yeah your mom yeah exactly. They they just they didn't like it a ton, and I was like, man, I don't I don't like you said I I see where some people are coming from, but a lot of it I just disagree with. A lot of it I think it is the director's intent to go this direction, and I think there is a big point of contention in this current fandom sphere of uh, just because you don't like the intent doesn't mean they failed at doing it. Right. And that's fine for you not to like the film and go, hey, I don't like where it's going. I don't like what they're trying to do. It's just not for me. That's fine. But I hate the constant criticism going on right now of, oh, well, they're failing at what they're trying to do. It's like, no, I think no, I, no. I think they hit out of the fucking park what they want to do. I just don't. Kind of like going back to Zombies Halloween 2, for what he was going for, he fucking did it. Just no one wanted yeah. him to do what he wanted to do. Yeah, nobody, nobody wanted it. The only person who wanted it. Ha- Halloween Two was Rob Zombie. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't mean he failed at what he was trying to do. He succeeded beyond all possible measure. Yeah, it's I will just say incredibly weird, and most people were very turned off by that, including myself. Oh yeah, no, that's fair. Like I said, it's Rob Zombie, Colby Cudney, I were the only two people in this world that were a hundred percent okay with 
hey, Rob, make whatever you want to see in Halloween. Whatever you want, you got it. Because I, I would have loved to see the reactions the first time the producer saw that movie, knowing that that is essentially what they told him. Because uh-huh. to all accounts, they basically said, hey, you brought Halloween back. You, you made clearly a, know what you're doing. Yeah, you made a shit ton of money. I know you don't want to make another one, but if you, you what if we told you you can make whatever you want? And then you got uh, a two-hour trip sequence of a Halloween movie that looks at parts like an incredible music video, at parts like a horrible acid trip, and ends with, like, everyone and, and dying. comprehensible story. Yeah. <laughs> like... So that's one of the. That's what it was. One of the Halloween 3D scripts originally was essentially a road trip movie. It is not making this up. I can't remember which writer this was, but it's one of the ones that got really far into almost made, being made. It was a road trip movie of Michael and. It, so the ending would have been retcon to where they take the Halloween mask off or the Michael mask off, and it's uh, Loomis, and uh, and basically Michael and his sister somehow escape, and they are on a road trip killing spree movie. Okay. Then there was an alteration of that movie where it was, they were both on two separate killing sprees in the same town, and they met up. And there was a third one that I can't remember what it was, but they were they both kind of revolved around that idea of her becoming a killer too, and right. either them killing together Which, or. I them, mean, even even Halloween Two is basically that that is that is basically the idea that it ends on is that again, much like Halloween Four from the initial the initial timeline. Yeah. Any anybody could anybody could be Michael Myers. That that evil can come from anywhere. And so that, that is something that, that Halloween two played with. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I don't I don't hate that idea of the mask coming off and it's Loomis. I don't hate that idea. Yeah, I. And there's a couple. There's a couple that I I would love to see where they go. And again, I'm very like ends. I'm so excited this next year because I like I legitimately. I cannot wait because I'm really excited to see where they go with this because I don't know. There's so many options. Like, do you em- do they fully embrace the supernatural? Does he literally become the boogeyman? Do they bring it down? And he's way more human. They do they do some weird shit where it's like, oh, the house is a problem. The house is possessed. Do they right. do some weird shit like Which, that? I'm trying to remember because again, my buddy Chris Wood. He's he. Okay, bit of background. Chris Wood was my horror guru. I was actually terrified of horror films. Like, honestly, I was terrified of the idea of horror movies. I was scared of the idea that people liked being scared mm-hmm. when I was a kid. So I skipped out on horror movies in general, uh, with a few rare exceptions, until I was in college. And then I met Chris, and he's and I told him this, and I was like, I want to see what I missed out on. I want to watch all these slashes I've heard so much about. So Chris was basically my guide through Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween and all of these movies. And, um, oh God, I lost where I was going with this. What were we talking about? Uh, talking about, fuck, what were we talking about? Horror movies, talking about, he was your horror guru. Oh, yes, yeah, um, the, the house. So, yeah, the house, the house. And I'm trying, I'm sorry, weird digression, and I lost my train of thought. Oh, okay. Um, so, he was telling me in the first Halloween novelization, which I can't read because it goes for hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Um, there, it talks about how Michael hears voices telling him to be bad and telling him that he is bad and that he should, you know, kill um, in his house. So I'm, you said, you know, as a, as just a, a possible fan theory that his, um, it could be the house is haunted and that kind of it just immediately triggered that in my mind that that is an idea that's been explored before yeah. in tertiary Halloween media. So yeah, the only, all I, all I can say as far as Halloween ends, I really hope 
we don't get some kind of weird half-assed compromise after again uh, fan rejection yeah. or you know the divisive fan reaction to Halloween Kills the way we got with uh, Rise of Skywalker. Luckily, since this one's shot already, I feel a bit more confident in uh, that not being the case. That's fair, and also I, I don't feel like you know no no offense to J.J. Abrams. Yeah, I don't feel like David Gordon Green gives a shit. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's telling the story he wants to tell regardless, and uh, fuck you for not liking it. Basically, yeah, I think so. I think yeah, him and Dan McBride they have their vision and they're going with it. Yeah, but yeah, no, I uh, yeah. highly highly recommend this movie and watch. <laughs> Hundred percent, yes. Um, as as many qualms as we have with 2018, I would recommend having seen 2018 going into this one. Yeah, because so much of the plot and characters, especially the characters and character setup, will not make sense if you haven't seen Halloween 2018. Yeah, I mean, if they, you... they don't they don't spend any time being like, as you know, you're my daughter. You know, which on the one hand, thank God that would have been a complete waste, and I would have hated it. Yeah. But on the other hand, it, this movie would. Most likely be impenetrable to someone who has who is not at least vaguely familiar with a Halloween 2018. Yeah, I, like if you want to understand a lot, like make a trilogy. Again, this is a problem that I realize I have that everyone keeps calling it a trilogy, which it is, except for you 100% are connected to the first movie too. Yeah, it's 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 a trilogy that's also a quadrilogy. Yeah, it's which is which admittedly is weird. That's yeah. a weird thing to say. It is, but it's also Halloween and. Uh, yeah, that it's again out of all the, it's the it's the least weird of the trilogies because the only other quote unquote trilogy we have is the Thorn trilogy, which is the fourth, the first movie in that trilogy. Did not expect or want or think it was ever going to be part of a trilogy, especially not that yeah, kind no, of trilogy. No. It, which is why I think four is so much better than five or six, is because oh, it yeah. didn't it didn't try to be this weird ass thing. One well, five. Uh, they've talked about that they had no, when they put the mark the little thorn mark on his wrist and uh, they and the, the man in black uh, busted him out of prison yeah. they had no fucking clue, no clue. What, they, what to do with that no clue and you could yeah. argue after watching six they still don't know they still didn't really know exactly what they were doing not at all no yeah I mean it's some weird I, I have we have both seen six recently and I can very very vaguely tell you what the ultimate plan was of there's got to be a, sac- a child sacrifice. There's got to be this kid that kills people. It was Michael. It was the you know old druid stuff, and then it wasn't. And then he somehow, pa- depending on which cut of film you watch, he either passes it on to Loomis or they kill him with some weird rocks. It's a six is by far the weirdest movie in the franchise. I was going to say, I can't say it's a bad movie because I kind of love it because it is so bonkers. It fully commits to being batshit. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing I truly, truly hate about Halloween six is that Daniel Harris actually wanted to come back and they wouldn't let her. Essentially. Yeah, it's, it's more complicated than that, but that's essentially it. Yeah, essentially. And even, even if they would have, she gets killed off so fast. And mm-hmm. for no, and then there's also going back to incest, some weird possible incest, or or just milking Michael Myers. Uh, yeah, that, that was kind of the feeling I got was that they inseminated um, Daniel Harris's character with Myers. So yes, incest baby, no incest. If that makes any sense. Yeah, we'll see. We'll I don't know, but yeah, I love kills, uh, man. This I did, love kills. Yeah, this is it was a great movie. This is a. This went longer than I thought on this aspect, but again, I, I kind of thought it might too because we we talked for an hour on kills, and I still think I could talk more. Uh, but I will. I 
feel like I could too, but I'm glad. Yeah, I'm, I feel like Let's, this is a good stopping point because I feel like if I try to stop more, I'm going to start repeating myself because I'm notorious for repeating myself. Oh, then we love that repeating, though. I uh, we will. Uh, uh, so let's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, so let's talk a little bit about fandom. Yeah, fandom happened typically. Uh, that would have been the lead story, but again, we're both Halloween fans, and uh, it's hard not to uh, talk about it when we just had that movie come out. Uh, I, so, fandom this year was one day, and I think it was, it was handled really well. I fucking... I didn't watch any of it. I just watched some of the trailers, so you can expound a little upon that. So, I was working most of the time, but again, I was you know, I was working in a way in which I was able to keep up with most things. And... Okay. Uh, it was handled really well, just how they did the four-hour presentation with like basically every hour beginning and ending with the major announcement and a lot of good stuff in the middle. Okay. Uh, so we got, we'll start with the big one. We got a new Batman trailer. Mm-hmm. It looks fucking, it looks awesome. I'm down. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm just going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the weird trudge mentioned in the room. There's nothing. Oh, let me put it this way: There's nothing bad about the trailer. That's true. They, they've yet they've yet to cut a trailer where I was just like, "Well, this looks shitty." But I just, I cannot muster up any excitement for this movie beyond "Holy shit, Zoe Kravitz is going to make an amazing Catwoman." Yeah. But I mean, I think I think part of it, and this is just an intensely personal uh, angle on it. I fucking love the Riddler. I love the idea of Paul Dano as the Riddler. Mm-hmm. I what the fuck is he wearing? Where's the question marks? I just want a green question mark suit. Come on, what, got- why is that so? Why is that so impossible? Why is that so unrealistic? <laughs> uh, when you've got when you got a man wearing a bat mask and a cape, I can't get a, a green question mark suit. Like, what the fuck is he wearing? We've we think- not seen his face, which I'm sure is a plot point. Yeah, uh, but like the the, the Knowing this is supposed to be a much more detective-driven movie, I wonder that might be like a super, you know, specific choice they're going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so I think I look at the toy they released. I do think you'll be having. No, I think there's at least one question mark on him. That's okay. there's something there. Uh, okay. But I, I haven't seen any of the toys. I just saw the Eternals toys yeah. at Target. Believe it or not. Yeah. Which um, once those inevitably go clearance, I might uh, I might have you. Uh, Dude, I uh, I pick really, them up for me. I really wonder Shang Chi and Eternals. How bad COVID hurt their plan? You know, like their planning for those figure lines? Because yeah, there is. As someone who works at Target now, there are so many of those toys that have just sat on shelves and gone to clearance. Especially when. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this: after Shang Chi actually came out, yeah. the toys, at least in Lubbock, fucking sold out immediately. Good. And and at, at Fan Expo, people were selling Shang Chi figures for like thirty, fifty bucks. That's good. So they-, they they went from being on the clearance rack to being in high demand because everybody actually got to see the movie and it was like. Oh shit! This movie's really good. Yeah. So, um, I uh, the thing is, as much as I'm looking forward to Eternals, and I think Eternals is actually going to end up doing moderately well. Yeah. Because um, 
I had somebody at my job the other day ask me if I was excited for, oh, what does she call it? The Eternities or something. She, <laughs> she got the name wrong, but she's still clearly excited about it. Yeah. She's one of those normies who's just like, oh, new Marvel movie. Of course I'm going to be there. Yeah. So I feel like I feel like it's going to do okay in that market. I feel like the toys are going to sink. And uh, yeah, again, I, will I am say. absolutely – once those hit clearance, I'm just gonna. If you would just buy them up, and I'll, I'll send you money for postage. That's one thing, and I think not to toot McFarlane's horn too much, but since DC is doing McFarlane not doing or having McFarlane do all their figures, and he's doing a shit ton of Spawn figures and other things, the Marvel <laughs> figures right now definitely look lacking because the Eternals figures, especially at Target, is like the Angelina Jolie character, and it's basic as fuck. Uh huh. And I was like. Because I saw that, too. Because, like, so, my Atari got spent way too much money yesterday because we got a new shipment of Spawn figures and AEW figures. And, oh, shit. Uh, and it oh, yeah, was, you're broke. Yeah. It was bad. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I, literally, I, it's funny you brought this up because I saw the Eternals figure. And I was, like, holding a Raven Spawn figure and an AEW figure and something else. And it's like, dude, you can, like, see the passion and craft in it. And this that is clearly, like, oh, they scanned someone's face. And it's got, like, no accessories or anything. It's just, like... Here she is. It's like, okay, that's not... Like, you, you're on the shelf next to these figures. You've got to stand out more. And also, the box design is just kind of basic, too. And I'm like, this is a... There, it's the same Marvel Legends box that yeah. every Marvel Legends gets. And, and yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, drab, Especially to, to put it in a word. The McFarlane figures, all the figures they're coming out with are really cool boxes, including the DC ones. And they look fucking cool because they're like they're bigger. They show they show every like they're always in like a cool action pose or something. They're they're really cool figures. And uh, yeah, no, it's funny you brought that up because I was thinking that same thing because we just unloaded a bunch of Shang Chi figures from clearance and had a bunch of uh, Eternals uh, figures come in. And uh, yeah, I saw saw the same thing. I was like, man, that's just- Dude, if you if you can give me a Shang Chi and a Katie, yeah. Uh- I'll see if we I'll still have any. Money. I'll definitely. I'll see if we still have any for sure because I, I work tomorrow. Because so ours are completely sold out. I, w- I wanted to at least get a KD because I figured I wasn't going to get lucky enough to get a Shang Chi. But yeah, if, if you end up getting a couple yeah. of those on clearance, I will send you money. For I sure. will definitely I check out. I'll definitely check those out because I know we had some at some point. Cause I remember seeing them. <laughs> but so okay, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check tomorrow because I that's a bad habit I have now checking collectibles and toys every time I'm in the store, and that's uh, <laughs> dangerous when you're in the store like five to six times a week. I do that when I'm at uh, 2 and C. I'll check out. I go to the Stephen King section. Yep. I go to the horror movie section. And I check out um, the new graphic novel rack. Yep. You know, whatever's sitting in the back where the new graphic novels have come in. Uh, every single day I work. Yeah. And rarely is there a day I walk out of te- Second and Charles having not spent money after working for four hours at Second and Charles. Yeah, no, there's a. Especially the target I work at, I work at. I think the I, I so it is like the second highest performing in I think in Texas, and nice. it is uh, uh the nicest target I've ever seen in my life, uh, and looks fancy as fuck, and we get really good regular shipments of pretty much everything, and uh, yeah, like it's become an issue because like. For some reason, we got the NECA Misfits figures. So, like half a pay, yeah, like half a paycheck went to that. Uh, we get AEW figures pretty regularly. We're get, one of the few stores that are getting the Spawn figures pretty regularly. And yeah. it's like, dude, it is it's dangerous. Like the only thing I've turned down so far was we got the Violator figure, but it's like a fifty dollar figure, and 
it's it is it's really cool, but it's so big that I legitimately don't have a place to put it. Right, that blows. Um, completely random tangent because I keep forgetting to text you and let you know. Uh, but um, Derek was in um, my artist Derek yeah. was in California a couple weeks ago, and he did some uh, some back issue shopping for me. And uh, guess who's holding a copy of Cyborg number one Fuck in yeah. their hot little hand right now? Hell yeah! Yes. Now I just need issues two and four. If I can get two and four, I'll have the whole mini series, and you and I can do a mini episode all about Cyborg. Fuck yeah! Did we get there? Uh... Really, so we don't go on forever. Fandom, that's where we were. <laughs> yes, we were on Fandom. We were talking about... Uh, Batman. The, we, we mentioned, you mentioned the Batman toys. Yeah. So have you have you seen the Batman toys in person or have you seen them online? So McFarlane, uh, they're up for pre-order and they come out like next month, I okay. think. And, okay. And uh, they, look, they look really cool. Uh, okay. I'll have, to, I'll have to send you like a Riddler picture because then you can get a semi-better look at him. Uh, what do you, what I would, I would definitely like that. Because you are right, I thought about even the trailer. His, I will let you know, his costume is fully green. Because I realize the trailer doesn't really show that much either. There's not a lot of color in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, I, I love, I love it. But uh, yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Yeah, it's a Batman trailer. Fuck it, you know. If if you like the last Batman trailer, you'll like it. It's it's more yeah, of that. Again, there's. All I can say is, it's not that I can't find anything wrong with them i just yeah. i have no hype for this movie which is so weird because i feel like i'm the only person on earth who sees a new eternals trailer and i'm just like fuck yes <laughs> give me that kirby bullshit speaking of closer to kirby we did get the open one of the uh, not a trailer uh, just a random scene from black adam uh yeah it's that was fuck- super sweet yeah that was fucking dope uh i'm excited for, i'm excited for it for a lot of reasons i also love I feel like DC took a took a little bit of a stab at James Bond because I don't know if you saw the leading up to it where it's the entire cast and crew talking about the movie. No, I didn't. I did see that the, the Aquaman trailer, or the, it, was ba- it was basically what I watched of the Aquaman was just like, I'm Jason Momoa, and I'm going to my first day on set. I'm so excited yeah. to be back. James Wan, buddy! So, yep. that, but I know I didn't, I didn't see any lead up to Black Adam. So Pierce brought, and it, it's probably just because, you know, it happens to be the same time, No Time to Die came out. Uh, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but it's funny because Pierce Brosnan, he plays Dr. Fate, of course. Uh, and he looks fucking oh, awesome. Oh shit, right that's now. amazing. Yeah, I did not know that. That's so fucking cool. He, oh, I didn't know I you didn't know Pierce that. Brosnan. Yeah, no, he, uh, he. Uh, so he brings up. He's like, I for ten years of my life, I did uh, James Bond for four films. I've never seen anything to the level of these action pieces or anything like it. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a dig. Yeah. I, Can I just say that the action in No Time to Die is fucking sweet? I've heard, I've heard. I'm just going to keep, randomly throughout this podcast, I'm going to refer to No Time to Die and how great it is. That's so. fine. Uh, I've heard <laughs> it's great. But yeah, the Black Adam stuff, uh, Rock looks great as Black Adam. Uh, we just literally see him in a shrouded robe, basically just electrocute someone to dust. Mm-hmm. But it's cool. It is. I would, the only thing, again, if we had gotten a shot of Hawkman, I would have just my pants. We so in the pre-up, we get like his chest, basically. Okay. In the little when it's the, just the because uh, while the actors are talking, they show like little hints and glimpses of their costume and stuff. We mm. do at least see his chest. Okay. So a little bit there, but uh, yeah, it's that's probably going to be dope. The Rock, the Rock's the Rock. He somehow released a fucking uh, new trailer for a movie the same day that uh, he was on a, a verse for a fucking Tech Nine song, 
and actually sounds decent on it, which is crazy, whatever. Uh, the Rock's the Rock. That dude does whatever. Also, I love that. That, that dude has, That dude is what happens when he put all of your points into strength and charisma. Oh, yeah. I do love that everyone in the fucking world loves that man, except for Vin Diesel, which makes me question Vin Diesel a little bit, to be honest. Uh, well, I mean, Vin Diesel is very clearly um, waning anyway. I mean, yeah. you saw Fast 9, right? No, I haven't. It's not good. That's dude. what I it's heard. Really, it's not enjoyable. It's just it's it's no it's not fun anymore, and that's yeah. that's a goddamn shame. Doesn't shock me. First movie since the first movie in like almost a decade of the Fast franchise without The Rock. First one that really sucks. So you know what? Or I know The Rock was The Rock. No, The Rock was an eight, wasn't he? Yeah, he was an eight. Uh, yes, I mean barely and then and then he because that was the one where they were their feud really kicked in yeah. and then Hobbs and Shaw came out and then this one was completely rockless yeah uh, yeah no they, yeah and I know he because he it's been brought up in recent interviews that he's not returning to 10 and he don't want anything to do with Vin Diesel still and it's like man what do you have to do to piss the rock off that bad for one yeah, exactly. I mean I, he seems like such a chill guy everyone I've ever talked to that ha- that knows him, I had said nothing but the nicest shit about him. He goes out of his way to do stuff. He is the one person where it's like, I don't, I don't know. I've not heard anyone say like super negative shit about him as and hear him as a person. And mm-hmm. I don't want to just praise it too much, but the more I, the more I've met people that have actual connections to him, I've, I've just never heard a negative story about. Him. Right, and I feel like, and I mean, you have you have actual legitimate connections to the wrestling world. Yeah. So, and if, uh, yeah, yeah, and the fact that I've heard shit about a lot of people, never heard shit about him, mm-hmm. and that to me that says a lot. Yeah. I have, uh, yeah, without saying names, I have now trained with multiple people that have worked directly with him for years, and none of them says shit about him. So, but besides the point. Uh, that was fun. I will say fun <laughs> fandom just had a lot of really fun shit. Like, it had a lot of get hype moments. It had that. The Flash trailer, same thing. It was a cool little trailer, but we already knew about Batman and everything else was just sizzle real stuff. Yeah. It was cool. Like, I will say he looks good. Like, okay, so the one thing I do want to ask, are those additional flashes behind him when he's very clearly talking to Bruce Wayne? That's a good question because it does kind of look like that. Which yeah, it looks like it looks like Flash from different realities because there's very clearly yeah. a female one and one that looks younger than him. So it's either his two kids, oh. or they're flashes from different realities. Oh, we did see the fucking Flash ring, which is it even got me kind of excited. Yeah, yeah, that was lovely. I did like that. I'm jumping. Um, I, I was kind of hoping for a Grant Gustin, if you because I mean again, if we're just yeah. gonna have Flash from different realities and you don't have Grant Gustin in there, especially after Crisis on Infinite Earths, yeah, I feel like you're doing it wrong. Also, I do love that the Flash's big announcement for this year was basically he's got yellow boots now. Yeah, like, <laughs> dude, I, at what point of the show are you at where you're like, dude, we finally broke it. He's got the yellow boots. It's like, okay, I don't know if that was. I didn't realize his boots weren't yellow. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just know because like the big announcement, the poster is like him skating up, and it's got the yellow, the yellow boots, and you know, in front of the camera. It's like okay, yeah, that's cool. Uh, it got renewed. Can, uh, can Doom- you get rid of the dumb chim strap, please? Man, there you go, for real. Uh, Doom Patrol got renewed for season four. It's, I know we haven't talked a ton about the new season. We both love it, but we're behind. If you guys are wondering, yep. Uh, and that's essentially it. Yeah, we what what we have seen of uh, season three has been. 
awesome. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. My crush on uh, April Bilby continues. She's even hot as a zombie. Um, but yeah, the, the show just continues to be such an amazingly perfect adaptation of such an unadaptable property that it's um, it's astonishing that it even exists. Yeah. And I wish I weren't behind, but I'm like three episodes behind. Uh, let's see what else we got, Fando. Uh, Peacekeeper trailer, I know you haven't seen it yet. It's really good. It looks awesome. I, I assumed it would be. Yeah, it's, again, James Gunn, his team, his people. Yeah, it was going to be. If you like, again, if you like Suicide Squad and you like Peacekeeper in it, you'll probably like this. It. Uh, I will say it's got uh, Robert Patrick playing uh, Peacekeeper's dad. Uh, oh, that's so perfect. Yeah, it was amazing. The one oh, little bit we get so with that. Perfect. That was awesome. Uh, what other big trailers dude, did we have there? We had uh, oh, we had uh, Suicide Squad game had a new trailer. Gotham Knights had a new trailer. We had a, a lot, there was some milestone announcements, but they were all kind of vague. Where we, you mentioned it, it sounds like an animated movie is coming. It looks like there's an animated movie in production that Bill Sinkevitz has done the poster for. The one that got me hype is because it's already on Amazon. I can actually pre-order it right now. Is there's a milestone compendium coming out, the first of what appears to be many. It's like the first 12 issues of Hardware, the first 12 issues of Icon, the first 11 issues of Zombie, the first 10 issues of Shadow Cabinet, the first 8 issues of Static, and a $60 compendium. And I was just, I am so fucking hype. I'm like, holy shit. Is all this basically available on DC Universe? Unlimited right now, or DC Universe Infinite, or whatever the fuck it's called. Yes, yes, it is. It is available. I want to have a nice compendium collection on my shelf. Fuck yes, inject that shit directly into my veins. I am thrilled, absolutely thrilled, that this stuff is finally coming back into print. Yeah, no, I am too, because there's something cool about just being able to have that, like I said, in print and being able to actually sit down and read it for once. That'll be cool. I. So fandom overall had a lot of awesome announcements, had a lot of great stuff. I feel like it, you know, its job it did its job of just get you hyped about what's coming. Uh, I remember when Image used to have like an Image Expo that would do that, yeah. and those kind of went away when nobody could hit their Image deadlines. Uh, yeah, but uh, DC has a parent company, so DC is not allowed to not hit your deadlines. Uh, so yeah, uh, and as far as uh, speaking of parent company stuff, as long as uh, we're talking about comics too, and that. Uh, they did it now, you know, War World, they're pitching as, like, a, you know, a major, major Superman event. They're pitching, uh, uh, what is it, uh, there's a new Wonder Woman event that's going to be happening, which I'm actually stoked for, because I feel like Wonder Woman never gets events of any kind. No, the last one was, like, Amazon's Attack, which, uh, went over, like, a lead balloon. Yeah. And, um... I've only read the first issue on DC Universe Unlimited of the Clune and Conrad oh, nice. Wonder Woman run. Uh, it's good. Yeah, I, I, see, really I see what you like about it. And it is very much the whole point of the current Wonder Woman run is uh, how Wonder Woman works outside the DC Universe. And yeah. I really like that as a concept. Also, I have uh, purchased a copy of Wonder Girl number one, nice. uh, which I realize is like six months old now. But it's Joelle Jones, and I'm really looking forward to reading that because I am a huge fan of Joelle Jones. And I like y'all. Uh, Yana Flo. Oh, yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, that, that Wonder Woman event sounds fun. I will say, uh, going with the uh, Mistinguished competition, um, the Darkhold event coming out of Marvel seems really pretty cool. Um, yeah, I admit I, I'm going to trade weight it, but I've heard good things. And it's Steve Orlando. Yeah, I've been, uh, I want to, 
So I want to buy it. I didn't buy the first little alpha of it, and uh, I kind of regret a little bit, but it was one of those books where it's a little bit too much at the time. Exactly, same. Uh, yeah, no, that looks that looks fun. With, oh, Batwing's going to be in Batwoman. So that's kind of cool. The oh, that's show. Cool. So that's... I didn't know Batwoman was continuing, but that's really cool. Um, slightly off topic, you and I talked about this a little bit before the show, uh, why The Last Man did not get renewed for season two. And considering neither you nor I nor anyone I know has heard literally anything positive or negative about the show, uh, it's not terrifically surprising that it didn't get renewed. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not shocked by it, but it is kind of disheartening. Just because, man, that like that show, that property, had been trying to make something for so long, and the fact that it finally got something and it just didn't seem to catch an audience at all. Like I'm that and the Sweet Two show are the two shows that came out this year that like just heard nothing good, bad in between. I watched the first episode of Sweet Tooth. I liked it, but I didn't continue on. I, uh, I didn't even get full through the first uh, episode. I honestly, I hate to say this, because I love Will Forte, but I was kind of put off by him in that role. It just didn't work for me. Okay. It did lead me to buy the Sweet Tooth Compendium, though. I okay. do actually have the entire first uh, volume of Jeff, or the entire first run of Jeff Meyer's Sweet Tooth uh, to, to read through now. And I remember reading like the first 20, 30 issues of it and really enjoying it. So, um one day I'm going to sit down and knock that out in its entirety. Oh, oh, you know what we need to at least mention? What? Saga's coming oh, back yeah. in January. Which I didn't realize how long it had been until they had said how long it was. Where it was like, it's like four years. It, yeah, it's like, it's crazy how long it was apparently. And also what really strikes me is that I'd heard anywhere between another six issues and 18 issues to finish the series, but Brian K. Vaughn announced that uh, he's looking at 108 issues, which means 54 issues for Volume 1, 54 issues for Volume 2, which means they're going to fit into two nice, uh, tidy compendiums, and I'll have a second compendium to sit next to my first saga compendium. <laughs> uh, so that's just nice news for me. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really thrilled the saga's coming back. There, I saw some modicum of internet discussion you know is it too late is it not going to bring back the fans has it been too long but i feel like if if the if you can get the word out on the street properly if they can if they can if image can make this this known then i don't think that's going to be too much of a problem i I think there are people out there who still love saga unreservedly and uh would be happy to pick up the next issue or i kind of wonder if we're going to see middling single issue sales from january to june and then in june when the new trade hits if that's just gonna like explode yeah i don't know because i kind of had similar thoughts on it because i was like man for one i have i cannot at all remember what happened in 50 like the last five issues marco got a shot ah that's, uh, all, that's all you need to know. He gets shot on the last page of Fifty Four. I liked. Uh, I do like the the new cover mimicking the first cover. That's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, again. I am excited for it, but I'm in the same boat. Like I'm. I don't know. We'll see. Because on one hand, I'm excited for Brian K. Vaughn to return to it, but on the other, it's been long enough where I was also almost hoping for another Brian K. Vaughn idea to pop up sometime. Well, I mean, he did a lot of panel syndicate stuff. He's he's been busy in the last four years. Oh, see, I don't, I don't. I guess I don't follow any of that. Panel syndicate is his pay what you want um, internet PDF thing. Oh, he did yeah, he did yeah. uh, private eye with Marcus Martin, yeah, uh, and yeah. he did something else with another big 
name artist. I think it might have been David Aha or David Aha. I'm not sure. Oh. But yeah, this this is his big return to mainstream in the shops publishing comics. Speaking of that, really quick, uh, since we're kind of, I don't think there's a ton more in fandom to talk about right now. Uh, I can't think of anything. But uh, while we're driving the comics, the only two I want to talk about speaking on somewhat someone else, we started getting the new fucking Scott Snyder books. Yes, 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 yes. I have not picked them up. Honestly, um, as much as I'm trying to, to make at least a somewhat switch to digital, I'm going to wait for the Dark Horse trades. That's right. Uh, but I've, I've heard pretty solid things about We Have Demons. I heard it's basically Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but uh, a little bit more. Yeah. But you were saying you really loved Clear. They both of them. I, so I have fucking adored both of them. Yeah, uh, We Have Demons is, in a lot of ways, it feels so much like both Snyder and Capullo, you know, getting a return to their roots, where it's a horror book focused around demons with Capullo drawing it. So it gets to uh, scratch that spawn itch uh, with Snyder writing, basically. It is great. It's an oversized first issue. I don't want to spoil too much for you or anyone else. Uh, But yeah, it is... It is very much like, yeah, I think a, a combination of Buffy and Spawn, I would say. Lovely. I like it a lot. That does, that does sound fun. I know nothing about Clear. Hit me with Clear. Clear is fucking awesome. Clear, they both are. I, I'm equally as excited for Demons. It's just Clear is more recent. Uh, clear, uh, very, very kind of neo-noir. Uh, also another one of Snyder's strengths. It is this neo-noir world where essentially it's piece-of-shit world. Everyone has implants where they can they put on veils to see the world in whatever way they want. He's a private detective that most of his jobs are essentially jealous wives trying to find out what their husbands have veiled them as. And to see like why they're not good enough for husbands, that kind of work. Uh, and of course, it goes off. It goes off the deep end where you think there's a suicide, and it turns out there's probably more to it, and that kind of sets up the series. That's so fascinating. Um, I hate to interrupt. I do want to say though, I just mentioned uh, Brian K. Vaughn's Private Eye with Marcos Martin. Uh, actually, has a, ended up having or ends up having a very similar um, world oh, in that in, in the Private Eye. Uh, basically, everyone's. Uh, privacy, internet privacy, uh, just goes away. So everything you have ever said or done on the internet is available for literally everyone to see. And as a result, everyone basically starts wearing masks that uh, keep you from being tracked and also keep your identity private because it's literally the only way to be private in this world. And the private eye is an investigator, and his very first case is... Or the the one that we come into the series with, uh, it actually it's, it's the not the inciting incident. It's the it's the pre credits to the James Bond movie yeah. where he's on an entire another assignment. But it is um, investigating, seeing who's under the mask that this guy's wife is cheating on him with. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it's a uh, yeah, it's kind of got similar. The, our, I get so artistically the cool. Uh, you can kind of see Snyder definitely playing into people's advantages because uh, of course you have Capullo doing. This crazy fucking book with demons and monsters and, you know, a lot of emotion. And this one is Francis Manipool, and you have you have some pages that have some incredible art where it's like, at one point they shoot him with something that, because the main character is unveiled, he doesn't have a veil. 
and they uh, shoot him with something that makes him see like multiple things at once. So it's like it's a panel where you'll have like made up of many different panels, uh, all in different art styles of mimicking. Like this person sees the world as like this happy clown place. Just sees the world as this porn paradise. He sees the world as you know a neo noir. He sees the world as whatever. But it's like making up one big image of each panel being seen in a different light. That is a very Marcos Martin. Uh, look, yeah, for sure. It is, yeah, yeah. It's it's fucking dope. You now I'm excited. I can't remember which one comes out this week. Yeah, all week you have new number ones every Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I'm. It's cool. I love what Scott Snyder's doing. Uh, you also the new Noctera trade came out, and I read. I uh, got to read all of that in the sitting, which Noctera is still fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. I mean, we're coming. We're it's October. We're coming very up on our end of year. Yeah. And I would be shocked if yours and I's pick. For best new series, isn't both Noctera? Yeah, yeah I'll say right now, if it's not Noctera, it'll it'll be a, Snot, a Scott Snyder book more than likely. Right. Uh, it, if Noctera's not number one, it's number two. Like it is. Right. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it's a great series. It's interesting because Noctera seems like the first world in forever that reminds me a lot of Saga in the sense of it just feels so grand and big, and I just like every issue. I'm loving the little bit more we get. Every issue feels like. Man, this feels like a reveal that should have come in fifty issues. Where do you go from here? <clears throat> and it has me excited because, like, I feel like Brian K. Vaughn and Snyder are the only people that really play with that dynamic of every issue still feels important. Yeah, yeah, they both uh, they're both really good at the uh, the final page cliffhanger that makes you just crave yeah. the next issue. Oh yeah, uh, so. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, I loved reading that. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, yeah. we So Superman the Authority uh, wrapped up. I, won't, I know you haven't got to read it, so I won't. You read the first two issues, not the last two, so I won't spoil. I like that it is more of a setup for War World than I wanted it to be. Because I also want it to be, it's like really, we both love Morrison and what they do. So I wanted it to be this like perfect, weird, little encapsulated four miniseries that we could just buy. But I... It's still good, but I will say it does feel more and more like it is more of a war world pre pre prelude than anything else. And I'm honestly, I, I hate to say this, but it's I'm really disappointed, honestly, that um, that is that that's the case that this that it's uh, tying into a, another a bigger story as opposed to just being a self-contained thing. Yeah. And maybe I sh- maybe I shouldn't be, but I. But I am. I'm like, so I'm kind of excited because I like how they set it up, and I, it does make me want to read War World. Uh, so that's a plus, but it, I'm with you on the sense of, we got in the first two issues especially, we get a lot of these character beats that I was hoping would be fleshed out more, and issues three and four deal a lot more with just the conflict and the villain, and then... <laughs> setting things up for War World in some ways, and, like, you know, how John... What, and setting up John Kent's new status quo and all that. Uh, we should mention John uh, John Kent officially came out as, as bi. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Tom Taylor's um, been doing some interviews about it and stuff, too. Yeah, I love that uh, Tim Drake and uh, John Kent have come out as bisexual within, like, a month or two of each other. Yeah. Uh, that's really great. I'm really happy. About that. It's funny because you always uh, get to see everyone that uh, gets mad that doesn't read comics or understand anything when it's like, like I legitimately didn't see anybody mad about the Superman thing except for people thinking Superman Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing was a lot of a lot of headlines 
went with the clickbait headline of, you know, Superman comes out as bisexual and did not bother to mention that this is Clark Kent's son, John. And see, this, is a, this is, goes back to our X-23 Wolverine discussion of that's my one problem with characters inheriting names mm. or getting given a name or earning a name is it always causes some confusion at some point. Yeah. It just does. Uh, yeah. That... That's entirely true. That's it's whatever. It's same thing with the new uh, Superman got a new motto at Fandom: Truth, Justice, and a Better Tomorrow. Which no one like against what I'm saying is that the only people causing any stink about it all are people who haven't read comics in forty years. <laughs> so it's whatever. Uh, I like it. It's a decent mission statement. I think I was actually surprised at how well it replaces the old one. I think. Yeah. It's simple to the it. point, but it's also like that motto hasn't been used in forever in the comics anyway well not just that it was a, a transplant from the adventures of superman radio show oh i didn't i don't think i knew that yeah yeah that was something that the, that was part of his uh, opening credits for the radio show oh wow no I did, that makes a lot of sense and that makes sense where that came from uh yeah no, that that good uh, again the tom taylor superman story itself has been amazing so i i've heard nothing but good things yeah, i, I love haven't it. Not any or Reddit, but I've heard nothing but incredibly good things. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, something happening on the other side of the pond. Please do. Um, so say what you will about Nick Spencer's Spider-Man, but he sure wrote 74 issues of Spider-Man, and now he's done. And yeah. Spider-Man has gone into a, a, a new writing team. It's going to three issues a month with the Spider-Man Beyond story. They're bringing back Ben Riley, who is a pet favorite character of mine. And uh, Zeb Wells is the head writer, and he wrote the majority of uh, issue 75 and issue 76, which has also come out. And, oh my god, it's honestly a breath of fresh air. Oh, fuck yeah! I'm glad it's, to hear it's that. A, it's the best in continuity Spider-Man I've read in literally years and this is the first time I've bought consecutive issues of Spider-Man since probably honestly J. Michael Straczynski um, I didn't really buy uh, Brand New Day I didn't buy Big Time or um, I didn't really collect any of Slot's run I've gotten a number of a few trades but I never really uh, set out to collect the run but uh, I am so I'm enjoying it so much. It feels like both classic Spider-Man, but also um, Spider-Man moving forward. Um, it's it's really kind of hard to put into words, but uh, the the stuff going on with Ben Riley and the Beyond Corporation is uh, appropriately interesting, but maybe a little sinister. Um, Peter is in pretty dire straits right now due to a basically a stray radiation blast. Um, other characters in Peter and Ben's orbit have interesting reactions to what's going on. Like, I think Mary Jane has a really understandably uh, angry and irritated reaction at seeing Ben again, basically telling him, you know, when you show up, trouble happens. And it's just a, it's, it's such, it feels like appropriate Spider-Man melodrama in a way that I'm, I'm really happy to be seeing again. Like I say, we're only two issues in, I might change my tune, but, uh, I mean, I'm buying what's basically a weekly Spider-Man comic and I couldn't be happier. Fuck yeah, that's awesome. I know, cause we've talked, we've made that joke before about you being a giant Spider-Man fan who hasn't actually read Spider-Man in several years because you've kind of hated the stories. Yeah. Like... It's uh, it's very much like a breath of fresh air when you actually enjoy a character like that again, and not. Yeah, 
curious because there there are definitely um, in the announcements they're tagging the the Miles Morales Spider Man book with the Beyond tag as well. Not that it's part of the what they've said is a nineteen part story, so I mean oh, yeah. it's going on for like four months or something. But I, I am curious how Miles is going to fit into this because the whole idea is that when. Uh, Doc Ock was in Spider-Man's body during Superior Spider-Man. He trademarked the Spider-Man name under Parker Industries. Uh, at the end of Dan Slott's run, Parker Industries was broken up for you know reasons, and the Beyond Corporation bought the Spider-Man trademark. So what happened then is basically it was like they approached Ben Riley and told him we're doing this with or without you because Ben Riley was the the kind of the known spider quantity because of Peter's. Uh, spell, you know the the whole Doc Strange thing where yeah. people don't know his identity. They couldn't they couldn't reach out to Peter. So the whole reason Ben's working with them is like this is the best of a worst situation of a bad situation. It was if it wasn't me, it was going to be somebody else. So Ben Ben Riley is also Spider Man, and he's the corporate Spider Man. Speaking of so, that, I'm actually excited. I forgot I will be buying a Spider Man book soon because uh, Zach Thompson's writing the Doc Ock book that's like spinning out of all that coming. Out, I think in January or February. Oh, that's cool. J.M. DeMatteis is writing a tie-in Ben Riley miniseries. Oh, fucking J.M. DeMatteis, one of the most underrated Spider-Man writers of the '80s and '90s, is coming back for a four-issue series. And again, I'm actually really hyped about that. No, that's you know, so um, cool. I really, I really, I hope it doesn't end up being like when um, when Peter David came back to write Scarlet Spider, and that just kind of ended up being a trash fire. But you know, I, I'd really, I really love the fact that Demetrius is getting more work. I love the fact that Ben Riley's getting another spotlight. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's for the first time in a long time. It actually is a really feels really good to be a Spider-Man fan. Man, speaking of Spider-Man, did you see the Tom Holland news? No. So, good God, what happened? Tom Holland in the constant state of uh, kid does not know how to be quiet. Yeah. Did an interview where. Slightly paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of saying that uh, that No Way Home was No Way Home the next the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No Way Home will is you know basically is the end of the is the end of the franchise, and that we'll probably see the characters again, but it'll be you know very different in a very different place. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's basically confirming a whole bunch of shit we already knew. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it doesn't shock but, me. But, but basically, yeah. he's doing a whole lot of work lifting there. Yeah, I don't. But may oh, have we have we talked about let there be carnage on air at all? We haven't. L- let's talk briefly about that because we both really liked it. Uh, it's dumb fun. I it had is. a blast. It's stupid as hell, um, but it, I had a blast. It is so fucking refreshing to watch a superhero film that doesn't even have the pretense of this is about saving the world or saving anything important. That it's just a, about. Carnage and Venom, and that's it. Yeah, essentially, it's a uh, it's a the theme that it is desperate desperately grasping for is family. Yeah, and um, it doesn't quite make it, but God damn it, it tries, and I am so impressed at it trying. It also dives deep into like how do I put it, the fan service side of Venom, of uh, leaning way more into the like Venom and. Uh, Venom and Eddie Brock being, how to put it, the fan service lovers, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. leans into that a lot more than I thought it would. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which I'm not against by any means. It was just like, man, when you have uh, basically Venom covered in rainbows talking about coming out of the Eddie closet, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, that is, uh, didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah, the, the Venom in the club scene is something else. I, I, I thought it was great. It's really yeah. funny. But, uh, yeah, there's a... There's very little sub in that subtext. Right? Yeah. There's a lot of sub, and it's a different kind. I know. We also got the lethal protector name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love how he kept throwing that out. That was a that was a great in-joke that I had to explain to my wife because she did not understand why that was so funny to me. I, I love that. Where it's like that's, and then, again, spoilers, it's been out a few weeks now, though. You get finally, finally again, uh, the world changing from, I'm guessing, no way, I'm going to say it, but no way home. And uh, Venom now... Existing in the same world as Tom Holland Spider Man. Yep. Uh, and get and going back to the possible subtext of Venom seeing that boy and licking it up on the TV. Yeah. Well, he says this guy. Yeah. There's something lick. Yeah. yeah. Um, what What got me was I was I was I okay. I feel very lucky because apparently that news has been online for like two oh, weeks yeah. since the movie yeah, came that, out, that and I had forever. I had no clue. Yeah. That. I, I, I went now. into that. Uh, I went into that big credit scene like the way the way Venom was talking about it, it sounded like a null set. Exactly. I, so I was going to say, I also got excited because it, clearly it sounds like we're leading up to null, which is fucking amazing. Yeah. So I was I was 100% expecting uh, some kind of null vision and Eddie would be like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And Venom being like, you don't want to know or, you know, something something like that. But then, it, you know, the, the shaking happens and then they're both confused and then the TV turns on and it's the news and you can very, very like, clearly hear J.K. Simmons. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. They was, actually went there. It was. It's a it's a cool. It's fucking awesome. And it's also like. I, it makes me very excited. We got Morbius coming out. It's funny because now we do. Now we have No Way Home and then Morbius. That's going to be interesting yeah. because, like I said, I, I've my my constant endless curiosity is who is the sixth member of the Sinister Six because we only see five in the trailers. And I mean, the obvious pick is Vulture. But yeah. I've been saying before Let There Be Carnage came out, I had I would not be surprised. I'd be thrilled, but I wouldn't be terribly surprised if it was Venom or Morbius. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious because that would definitely be cause, so that we've talked about. And actually, this makes a lot more sense. So there's been a lot of rumors about the the deal that Marvel and Sony came to after after uh, Homecoming when they were like, okay, you know, we you're in your Avengers movie. What are we doing here? What yeah. are we doing? Okay, where contracts up, and it's like, no, we got to. It would actually make a lot more sense if Marvel was basically able to convince Sony, hey, can we at least wrap up this story and send him off in a way that pleases both part, all, both us and you and leave the door open instead of just this weird no, no, you know, ending that doesn't really end. Well, see, and that was my thought. Was like, you know, the, whole, the whole thing that No Way Home sounds like to me is that Spider-Man can't get back to his home universe. It's yeah. not that... Uh, um, Doctor Octopus and Venom and all the other villains we were hinted at are be- have been brought into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's that Peter's no longer in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and possibly these other characters are not either. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm getting. And uh, man, I will. You know, that means uh, the next Spider-Man film, or next Venom film, we finally get some. 
Venom and uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man, I'm for it. I'm at this point, I'm all the way for it. I don't give a shit. I'm all in. <laughs> I want that. Uh, yeah, no, that's uh, it, it's fucking good. Yeah, there's been actually a lot of movies been coming out. Uh, I'm there's been a shit ton of streaming stuff come out, but again, there's a million streaming services now, so we I don't think we've kept up. If you're asking why we're not talking about A, B, or C. Right. It, at one point, it was possible. Now, it's not. It's completely impossible. I, I, I hate watch season seven of The Flash on uh, Netflix. Um, it's still I still like the characters just enough that um, I, I sat through it. But who uh, oh boy has that show lost its spark? See that? Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard. Again, my brother's a huge fan of that, and that's kind of what he's talked about. And it it does suck because. It's been strong for so long, but at the same time, it's one of those shows where all these superhero shows, it's really crazy to think about how long they really have been on the air now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, fucking, I think they announced Supergirl's ending, I think. Supergirl ended last season. Did Supergirl last ended season? after six seasons. Yeah, yeah which again, Which is why I was surprised seasons. Batwoman is still going, because Supergirl had better ratings than Batwoman. Yeah, six seasons. But then again, also, I think, uh, I think Melissa Benoist is like, just basically done. She's married. She has a kid. I think she's taking some time off. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Batwoman is still weird because it's like against this new Batwoman. Now you, you have Batwing in there, but it's still weird because like you're all now you're picking another kind of extended Bat family member that a lot of people don't know, and that's cool if you know what to do with. But based off of everything about <laughs> Batwoman, I I don't know how that show's still there. I have no clue. That's yeah. It's very, very weird. But yeah, no, we have, again, a lot of stuff coming out all around again. Uh, this week's going to be a big one in comics for me personally. I know we have Gunslinger Spawn coming out, so I'm excited for it. And uh, I think, when's the next Inferno issue? That's a couple weeks away, isn't it? Uh, yeah, uh, Trial of Magneto's next week, and I think Inferno's after that. Which, uh, I feel like there's a conversation to be had about Trial of Magneto basically being completely subsumed by Inferno. Yeah. And because, I mean, Magneto is a very clearly a focal point in Inferno. But I'm not sure if, if I can have that conversation yet because I guess I just, I don't know if I know enough about what's going on with Trial or what's going on behind the scenes to actually have an informed opinion other than this is really very strange. Yeah. Uh, oh, but uh, in good news... Uh, we are getting very close to us getting uh, both a Hulk and Venom will read. Yes, yes. We're going we're gonna to flip favorite characters, favorite monster we characters might. in the Marvel Universe. Which I, I kind of like how Kate, I don't know if you, I, I don't know how I feel about all the press marketing for Kate's Hulk. Uh-huh. Because I don't know if you, all of all of it's just like he you know he turned uh, Thor into a herald of Galactus. He turned Venom into a god. What will he do with Hulk? And it's like I don't know if that's where you want to market that as, but whatever. I guess that's true. Yeah. Or oh no, the other one was that he killed the Inhumans. He he killed the Inhumans. Something with Guardians, and then the other two, and then it was what will he do to Hulk? Right. Which I guess um, is true. So- I, I actually kind of branching off of that. Um, Immortal Hulk number fifty came out. Yes. And as a child of abuse myself, I must say I cried all the tears, mm. both because my favorite book is ending and because it was just emotionally heart wrenching. Um, not to get too deeply in detail, but the theme of the final issue was 
basically, yeah, your abuser is not going to give you any answers. You're, you're never going to understand why. So forgive them if you can and forgive yourself regardless. Oh, that's... It's, oh, wow. Sorry, I didn't mean it. That was really loud. Uh, no worries. <laughs> that, uh, it's very sweet because I am... Yeah, Hulk ending and Venom ending, which we've talked... It's funny because we've talked about for a year now that that's... Especially before X-Men and even during X-Men, they were probably the top two, if not two up, for sure two of the greatest things going on at Marvel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's sad that both of them wrapped up around the same time, although Venom wrapped up a while ago and it's just been on hiatus, basically. Right. Uh, so I'm very excited to see where they both go because they're... Again, Al Ewing is such Al Ewing, and who's his co-writer on Venom? It's a uh, uh, Ram V. I yeah, say, who's been doing some really crazy, tremendous stuff over at DC. Yeah, and so I'm very excited to see what they bring to Venom, especially where Kate's left Venom off at. And uh, now I'm excited to see what Kate will do with Hulk, with where Ewing's left it off, because they're they're very different writers in a lot of ways, but also they they love getting to hearts of a character. Yeah, but since they're coming onto books that are this will be the first time I think that both of them are coming onto a book that's very well established and leaving it and was left in a good place. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how they handle that because I feel like every other well, time. What's interesting is that uh, Ewing did come onto Guardians after Kate's. Yeah. But Kate's, that was one of Kate's few, like, legitimate misfires was yeah. his Guardians run was kind of meh at best. Yeah, they, I will say Guardians has, since its return to popularity, they have struggled to find someone who writes a, like, great Guardians. Yeah. Because as much as we love Kate and Ewing, they had bright spots, but it was mm-hmm. not like, it wasn't either their must-read series. Right, yeah. I, I, I dropped off of uh, Ewing's Guardians after three issues. Yeah, and I did about the same on Kate's. Which, again, knowing we collect, like, everything else they do and constantly talk about how great it is. Yeah. It is, and uh, and they're both reasons we may have to do Substack. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is about Guardians if it's just so if it's the characters or what, but I feel like Guardians is another example of a comic series that works. One of the few ones that I think works way better in the movies for some reason than in the comics. Yeah. No, I can get behind that. Like, and I like the Guardians, but yeah, when you talk about like we had this question at Hastings. When we worked there, when the movie was coming out, like, oh, what would you recommend to you know for people wanting to watch the movie? I don't know, because there's not a shit ton of great Guardians books that reflect the tone of the movie. And the Abdent Landing collections hadn't come out yet. Yeah, that's true. That's Which is true. at least even if they're you know um, not exactly like the films, at least they kind of feature a similar cast. Yeah, and and a, a, a basically the same tone. But yeah, I think Gun is seems to be the only creator who understands the potential of these characters and is, and has more or less uh, taken them away from any other creators in yeah. a weird way. Well, and now it's even weirder because you have his final one, I know they're working on it now, but mm-hmm. he literally has, uh, I, so I came out a couple weeks ago, we hadn't nearly talked about that, he has signed something to do with DC next. Really? Yeah, which doesn't shock me because the court... I mean, no, because... They, Suicide Squad was excellent. Suicide Squad was great, and they clearly gave him a shit ton of freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also has another show to work on. So I don't blame him where he's like, oh, you get to play with your favorite toy and get to make a show of it, which at some point it's out. 
I didn't even realize it. Peacemaker might be the first time in movie history where the actor playing Peacemaker is actually more ripped and in better shape than the peacekeeper or yeah, Peacemaker character in the comics. <laughs> and I didn't notice it until someone on Twitter pointed out, and uh, John Cena tweeted out a picture, uh, like someone tweeted, "Oh, he'll be coming to to Fandom with a picture of P." Uh, always fuck them up because they, they just introduced a character in Batman called Peacekeeper. Right. And it keeps fucking me up. Peacemaker. <laughs> uh, Peacemaker where it's like he's coming and uh, John Cena's like, oh, with better delts. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, it's funny because I've forgotten in the comics he is just like a super slender sleek guy. And, yeah. yeah, it's very much a, a, a swimmer's body, much like the way Jim Aparo drew Batman. Yeah, and that, definitely not John Cena. Definitely not John Cena. Another the old, famous old Howard Stern interview with John Cena, where they ask him how much cardio does he do when he's in the gym, and he just goes, "I don't do cardio." <laughs> all, all. Well, I remember that. they were leading up to um, one of the WrestleManias. The the main event was uh, I think it was Cena versus Triple H, okay. and it was just a, a nice little promo where. Uh, they were talking and other people were talking about them and I can't remember who it was it might have been Triple H he was just it, just like it's so impressive his body just takes to weightlifting he yeah. just he just has a body that is built to be built like that yeah he is just he is supposed to be that shape yeah what's well, funny like you look at him or fucking The Rock is always what blows my mind where it's like every time it's like he looks he looks like the pro wrestler now compared to what he used to look like because when he was wrestling he was like sleek and slender and had muscles but it wasn't like what he has now right yeah now he looks like completely different uh yeah no that that's a very specific body type that somehow they they work and uh it works for them but yeah there's a couple scenes in a trailer where it's like him just in his underwear like yeah john cena however old he is now still ripped as ever Yep. He's a, yeah, he, he's, he's going to be 90 and still just be in better shape than you or I will ever be in in our lives. Yeah, I know. He is uh, he's, he's a freak of nature. He's one of the freaks, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so this one went longer and not as long as I thought it might be at the same time. This episode. <laughs> Again, Halloween Kills was a real gamble because it could take any amount of time because there's a lot of talk about yeah. it. Fandom's also... One in comics is a lot of talk about here. I'm not. I'm trying to think before we wrap up. Is anything missed? Any news? Uh, I I don't think there's any major news. I think missed. we. I think we hit basically everything we wanted to talk about. The big piece of news that I was aware of was Saga. So yeah, we we hit everything I wanted to hit to, to at least chat about. So. Um, Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Thank you for sticking with us through this, uh, man, like three week break we accidentally ended up taking. I, I promise you, there is uh, a respawn or two on the way. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, if you want to reach out to us, talk to us, yell at us for not being around like we promised we would be, um, you can do that in all kinds of places. You can email us at blahblahpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash blahblahpodcast. So I can't remember the last time that page was checked. Uh, sure. You can find us on Twitter where I am at blahblahpod. I'm on everything as the real Jason Way. As you are the real Jason Way hmm. on Instagram, I am at blah blah podcast. I mostly just talk about TV shows I really like on there right now. It used to be movies, now it's TV shows. Um, 
again, thank you all so much for being so patient. Uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, very, very soon. Maybe as, maybe as soon as a couple of days from now, maybe as soon as this weekend, this coming weekend, maybe as soon as a month from now, depending on when we record next, yeah. we promise we will have a, a mini respawn for you and also hopefully a real respawn super, super soon. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to make any more promises than that. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Colby, do you have anything else you want to say, man? Uh, go buy our shirts and our books. Yes. Um, Find out ways to do that. Mine's Thank easy. You. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees, forward, uh, forward slash Jason Way if you want all my merchandise. Go get it. And you can go to Comixology and buy my comics. Yeah, yeah. Um, space is awful. Uh, thank you so much, and y'all have a good night. Bye, everybody. Mm-hmm.